With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Because you've got powerful legs, how'd you get the physique? Was it gym or how'd you get the physique? Um, I've always been that She's actually not got powerful legs. Do you shower in your dressing room? Do you have a shower on the day of a fight or not? Tell us about the tattoos. Shut the fuck up, oh, you yeah. little prick. But then I've got the phoenix. Hey, prick. So I'll take it from Bob every day of the week. An absolute disgrace. That's your no in mind. Move him out of here, Darren. Ricky Hatton didn't go over for his fighter because he risked getting abducted and sold into sexual. I never said that. Both have been rape victims. I'm not watching Frank Buglioni live on Saturday night. Get out of your mind. Jesus Christ, get yourself a life. He's actually a uh, priest. Yeah, yeah. It's because his brother John Fury eye gouged him. What have I told you all this time? He's going to end up sucked out, fucked out, looking for a handout. Boxing, um, Natter's messenger group. Oh, they're going to, oh, I'm going to be the king. Jay Bump, you know what I'm saying? Welcome everybody to the 529th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nuthouse. You can find it uh, on Spotify. Uh, we're on YouTube, on uh, iTunes, on their podcast. Uh, apparently not on Stitcher anymore. Apparently Stitcher's getting ready to go away. I heard that somewhere. So uh, that's uh, uh, where you're going for your podcast. I think you might have to change that around. A little news from the ground there. Uh it was a little bit of an interesting week. I was trying to figure out where to start on this one. Wasn't uh, as quite as exciting on the ladies' end. So let's kick it off over to the United States last night to Ohio. Real classy state there. Uh, Jared Anderson coming to the ring with his emotional support dog going 10 rounds uh, against Charles Martin. Martin proving far more durable than uh, Tim Bradley's uh 
ding dong uh, snack cake reference proved. Uh, <laughs> is that a real thing, Matty? Sorry, I was going to ask the same question. Actually, is that a real? Is that? Yeah, they're a real snack cake. You know, they got like kind of a like a uh, chocolate cake, and I think there's like kind of an ice uh, an icing on it, and then inside there's like kind of a whipped creamy kind of filling. Yeah, they're oh, all right. He's trying, he's trying too hard. Like, Steve, I think it was you, Steve, who mentioned the Teddy Atlas kind of yeah. comparisons of the week, though. Trying too yeah. hard, though. Oh, yeah. It's well, that time with Teddy Atlas obviously influenced him uh, quite a bit. But yet, I digress. Uh, 10 round decision victory for Jared Anderson, uh, knocking down Charles Martin in the third round. Uh, and then uh, in the fifth round, going through his own uh, struggles, taking a large number of left hands from Charles Martin, um, showing that he had quite a bit more left than some people give him credit for. Got to remember he had that little slugfest with Ortiz recently. The over-under on this was four and a half rounds. And right at that point in time, Charles Martin wasn't going down. He was beating ass. But uh, Anderson able to recover uh, and uh, win most of the remaining rounds. Uh, got tagged again in the 10th round, uh, about 10, 15 seconds before the bell. Martin letting him know that he was not quite done yet. Um, Steve, I, I, there's a lot to like about Anderson. He's got some good boxing moves. Um, he handled the adversity. Well, I, I thought, um, I mean, I, I think that, you know, and Bradley alluded to it, that he does have that issue of pulling back, gets himself into a little bit of trouble, but, um, I'm not, uh, not feeling too worried about him going 10 rounds to Charles Martin here. I, I thought there was a lot of good to take from it. And uh, I, I think it was a, a great uh, last-minute replacement opponent uh, there for him. He, he got a lot of uh, valuable learning on the job last night. Oh, he did, absolutely. I like Anderson as well. I think it was the perfect fight for him. I wasn't sure what uh, Prince Charles would be bringing to the table because he's not the most active or necessarily the fittest fighter even at his peak. But whenever Dre convinced us uh, during the early rounds that he'd been in the gym and he'd been trying hard, I thought, well... He might have a bit of a plan, a bit of a game plan here. Again, Andre Ward was right. Whenever Charles Martins pressed forward, like in the fifth round, as you mentioned, he looked good. He let his shots go. The left hand was working. Uh, you mentioned the dog. They're going to have to sack that gimmick off. I know ESPN love a gimmick and all that, but I'm not interested in Jared Anderson's dog, to be honest with you. I want to see the dog that he's got in the fight, and I think he showed a lot of that. I know it's stupid to say for a guy who's like six foot three, 240 pounds, whatever he is. He looks a little bit on the small side, but that's probably because the prince is a little bit fat with his spare tyre, but Anderson forced the pace, exactly what he needed, thoroughly enjoyed it. I love a good crowd. I mentioned before when Jaime Munguia fights as well, the crowd were absolutely into it, which made for an excellent spectacle as well. I thought Anderson tried a little bit too hard at times, which is natural. He wanted to get the stoppage. He wanted to excite his hometown fans, left himself open, which meant uh, Charles Martin could get the shots in and rocked his head back. I think he hurt him a couple of times, I think in the last 10, 15 seconds of the entire fight in the last round. He hurt him. He was wobbling around, but it just made it all the more entertaining of a spectacle. Exactly what he needed. Kosobutsky's a good fighter. Wouldn't mind seeing them revisit that, but he's quite a defensive fighter. A lot of head movement, quite small, tricky southpaw. Would have presented a different kind of problem, but, but Charles Martin presented the exact correct problem last night. There was an ele element of danger throughout, even though the one-sided scorecards were quite accurate. He hit the deck in the third round, said that the feet got tangled. Don't think they did. It was a legitimate shot. He went down. Anderson's over-exuberance got him hurt then in the fifth round. He was definitely on, on shaky legs at different times. And overall, really good fight. Well-matched. Uh, I don't 
Chitol Anderson at all. I haven't really seen the reaction, what people are saying on, online. I don't look at social media or anything these days. But I thought it was a perfect fight for him. Looked very good. How he would fare against the best of the division at the moment. Obviously, he's only 15 fights in. The decent guys are going to pick him off. He, if someone like Deontay Wilder hurts in the way Martin did, he'll finish him off. We all know that. But that's why he's only 15 fights in and learning. And I think it was a perfect fight for him. Well made and very exciting. Really enjoyed the ESPN card last night as it happened. Yeah, it was uh, a fairly entertaining night on there. Uh, Andy, what were your thoughts on Anderson? Uh, Martin, I, I, I got to say, he's better now than he was when he fought Anthony Joshua. At, at the very least, he's found composure uh, yeah, under the bright know. lights, yeah. Uh, but and and because yeah, against AJ, I mean, he there he wasn't moving. Every time he got touched, he just froze up. Um, and and now I, I, he kind of became a joke because you look at how his path to the heavyweight championship was. Um, you know, with uh, Vyacheslav Glaskov uh, throwing out his knee in their fight, uh, and then the two round destruction against Anthony Joshua. Um, but he's had some decent fights since then, uh, and he, he had that good slugfest with Luis Ortiz. I mean, he's obviously not the top of the division, but I feel like basically what Jared Anderson did last night is he found his way to uh, overcome a gatekeeper uh, who gave him yeah, some rough was, moments. That's probably the fairest description that Martin is at this point as a gatekeeper. I mean, it looked pretty obvious to me that he had been in some sort of training camp for the last however, however many weeks and that. Because you said, I mean, well, there was, when, when they cut loose, he seemed to then draw back and try to kind of get some air in, move the boot, picked his moments to really kind of uh, attack in that as well. If you've seen, I think it was round eight, I think it was Anderson switched to Southpaw, and, and they changed that shit real quick because Martin then just ploughed right into him, and he just swapped right back to the orthodox straight away. So maybe something as well. Maybe he was just couldn't try to try things up. Maybe he was getting frustrated. But... Um, as I said, he didn't seem to last long once Martin started putting the heat back on him. There, there is a, a fair bit to like about Anderson, but the, you know, the, the flaws are obvious. I mean, obviously, he's got a good right hand. The, the chin last night seemed to be okay. You know, it is heavyweight box at the end of the day, and these are big guys, so it showed us that he's, he's got a decent chin. Um, no fully glass anyway. Stamina might be a wee bit questionable, um, especially during the stretch. I want to get your take on it as well. As how would you have felt if that was a 12-round fight, especially after the way Martin caught him? At the end of the tenth, you know, bang on the bell, right? Roughly, remember the last ten seconds. Would he have managed to top kind of rank? Don't do twelve round fights. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no I know. Maybe a good reason, possibly. But I don't think it. I don't think he would have been in trouble, Andy, because I don't think that he would have been as reckless at the end of the tenth round if there were two more rounds. Uh, you know, um, yeah. I mean, he, he could have gotten caught at some point, uh, you know, in the last two rounds. Yeah. But I, I don't think it shows any more than he just kind of got a little bit reckless towards the end and almost paid a price for it. I, I think as well, Andy, the two occasions he was hurt, he showed good powers of recovery combined with the fact that the prince had sort of shot his load each time. Aye. Aye, that's what I'm saying. And then he would back off, wouldn't he? And then that would that would be it. But um, I see, the thing about Martin, he was probably exactly what he needed at that point. I mean, obviously, it's an accidental situation with the with injury and he's been pulled in by, by another opponent basically so he's, he's done pretty well in that regard he's able to kind of obviously change his game plan but he's went rounds that's the most important thing at this point in his career um faced a bit of resistance in that as well and he's had to kind of deal with a lot fire back and go to, when he got attention to it so there is a bit to like but um i think you know nowadays not with fighters padding the record with the competition they're just going through the gears just for like you know a paycheck i think martin showed at times there last night he had had he did have a wee bit of ambition but um just if he could just kind of maintain 
just maintain a, a, a bit of pressure from maybe two, three solid rounds. And that, it, it maybe kind of change it around a wee bit. But again, as I say, he's gatekeeper status and probably at this point, Anderson needed that type of fight. Um, I think the Kozabowski fight would be another one. If once he gets fit, at least maybe maybe go for that one because he needs fights at that level that are going to give him that type of test. And that because at this point, as I say, maybe maybe the, the stamina, the, the the defense definitely needs more experience. He's only fifteen fights, and that so maybe more of those fights before he, he starts talking about world titles, and that so which is always a couple of years down the road. But um, it says it was it was decent enough, shall we say? But what would be also be interesting if, if they make that fight with the Russian on the on the undercard, Mahmudov. I think that would he, he could probably take Anderson to the dark side and see how much he really wanted it. That'd be a slobber knocker, brutal fight, mate. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, you know, there's a lot to like about Anderson, and uh, hopefully we see him in with some. Uh, just keep stepping up that competition. Um, you never know what could happen next. Bob just doesn't seem to put these heavyweights in uh, with uh, against each other when they both have O's. Um, Top rank has signed Jalal off, though, Andy, so that's an interesting entrant into the field there for him. Um, so that's true, aye, but he's, um, I'm sure he just, he, he's still fighting amateur, by the way, because of, um, I think the world amateurs were just, was it either last month or a month before? He won it, obviously, now, but I just want to see him commit to the pro scene now, man. I, I hate the fact that he's keep, you know, going back to doing the You shouldn't fights. be able to do that. It's fucking stupid. I know. But the thing is, though, mate, they've, they've, started doing the, they've started doing prize money. And it's big money. And like it's not the it's, fucking it's, amateurs. I know, but it's six figures, though, mate. I mean, there's, there's a few pros doing it just now, and okay, they're not winning it, but if you get to, if you get a bronze medal, mate, you're getting, I think it's about 100, maybe 50 grand to $100,000, possibly. Big money, like three hundred grand to the winner. I think it was. She was the same back in the day, Andy, with the Irish Boxing Association. They used to pay them that much. Why would you turn pro? Exactly. And then eventually, Paddy they Banks, all right. turned pro far too late because they're on decent money. How is Paddy that Banks. not being pro? I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not getting the. the there should be a a clear div, dividing wall, like in in golf, like. If you're not like even allowed to take like, if, I think they moved it because you know things. But when I was younger, you couldn't even like uh, take more than five hundred dollars in prize money from a a tournament at your local golf club. It's the fuck. I don't know. Yeah. Anyhow, let's see. I think the other one. I think the um, was it Dusmatov possibly the the flyweight light flyweight. I think he maybe participated possibly as well in the worlds. So as I said, I just like you see these guys because these are two fighters that you just don't you just don't see much of them as pro fighters these days. You then see them on undercards and that. So if Paul Blank have got them, and hopefully you know again they've got Torres and that as well. So that would be a, you know a potential rematch for the amateurs coming into pros uh, potentially in that as well. You know down the road. So yeah, is there hopefully. another heavyweight with a fantastic mustache? I no. would love to see it, it, it. You could have the clash of the stash. The fucking the posters create themselves, Andy. So nah, we, you would need maybe maybe music. Music when he's Cossack type tashes, possibly. There used to be some good tashes back in the day. The likes of Jean Chanet, was it? Who like fought Lennox Lewis and yeah. those type of guys would rock the tash. Music doesn't have it, Andy. Like for some reason, I don't know if you've seen Joe Dirt, but much like Joe Dirt, his facial hair just kind of naturally grows in all white trashy, like yeah, yeah. like Franz Botha. But uh, this this guy hasn't got a beard, but Steve, remember the Croatian at Fort Lennox Lewis? The had the, oh, a mad, you'd have a mad, like, uh, like a mad ponytail That's skinhead right. type thing. Yeah, he he his whole career was all geared up to fighting Lewis. That was his whole, um, you know, uh, 
that's what he wanted to do. That was his that was his end game. And once he fought him, he retired. And he returned. He came back about um, last year. I think it was about fifteen years later. But he was obsessed with Lewis. That was the fight he wanted. Excellent. I right, somebody saying in the chat that has a Jalov signed yeah, the top rank. Confirmed uh, it it confirmed night, it yeah, confirmed it last night on the broadcast. Definitely confirmed Jalov signed the top rank. Yeah. So, uh, so that's him. We've got Mac Masuf, I've got Mac Mudoff, I've got Anderson, they've got well, take Fury out the picture. Who else? A Jagba, a Jagba, there's Sanchez. Sanchez, that's about five. And you've got Jalov, and then oh, there's a good six, seven heavy. Hang on, Frank, Frank Sanchez. No, he's PBC. Are you he's sure? Not the top one. Are you sure? Frank Sanchez. When did, we see, when did we see Sanchez fight last? He's PBC and he fans recently. Yeah, I don't think he's top rank. Uh, uh, no, I don't think he is. The question is, well, yeah, I mean, if you even if he was top rank, it's not like he'd be fighting other undefeated top rank fighters. So does it really matter? He fought yeah. a, ja- a Jagba, went over from PBC, and they fought a cross promotional fight, didn't they, on the Fury Wilder undercard? But Sanchez is from the PBC side. So some sh- yeah. My my apologies. Yeah. That's okay, Matty. I'm not holding against you. That's a shame. But anyway, speaking of those heavyweights, um, Arislanvek Makhmudov taking out Raphael Akpajori in two rounds last night in uh, what was a reasonably entertaining little heavyweight slugfest where, uh, God, if uh, Akpajori had the uh, the chin and the talent that he had heart, Steve, he, he might have had a chance, but uh, alas, he had neither of those, and he just found himself kind of fumbling around the ring. Uh, Mahmoudov, not the most technically adept fighter, uh, just a big boy with a big punch, but uh, that gets you a long way in the heavyweight division. Uh, did you enjoy this one? I, I did, but it was kind of over before it started. Mahmoudov put so much pressure on the guy. He didn't give him a chance, which is obviously the aim of the game. But he was just, he likes to black people out. He's very aggressive. As Andy said, if you can get past those first two or three rounds, maybe someone with a jab and a bit of movement, a bit of stamina would be able to take him long. But at the moment, if it works for you, why not? And Akpejori, I wasn't overly familiar with him. I know he had the Road Warrior in his corner, Glenn Johnson, and someone was saying that he'd done a bit of sparring with Deontay Wilder. He could punch. He was very Glenn raw. Johnson thought he was robbed, by the way. Oh, I love you. <laughs> exactly. I won't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking well, by the way. What's that, Matt? That's but, what uh, I thought, yeah. I thought aren't you surprised that he's like not talking like James Tony at this point in time? I mean, because that guy had like 80 fights. It must be, against... well into, it must be late 50s now. Woody Johnson, because he, he went on. No, really no, late. He'd, probably, he'd probably be late 40s at this point in time. Do you think cause... so? Yeah, because he was he was like right. Josh is no late forties, mate. Would yeah, he not be late fifties by now. Maybe maybe early fifties because he when he Fuck jumped off. he jumped into the super six when he was like thirty five or thirty six, I think. Okay, he was born in he was born in sixty nine. So, so he'd 54? be 54. 54. So he's so there you go. He's he's mid fifties. Mid fifties. Okay. We had a, we needed to cut the difference <laughs> yeah. there. Just like I the do, media, if you go somewhere in the middle, you'll find the truth. Because he was ancient uh, when he was boxing. I still remember exactly him going on the end. But yeah, no. Um. Yeah. Akpejiori is not really going anywhere. But exciting enough guy. He just got caught in a storm, and that's when your inexperience tells, isn't it? Whenever you get caught in a fight like that, and someone's just on top of you, the fact you came to the sport late, you've been banging people out, you don't know what to do. That, that's when it tells. So we can't learn too much, but I could see why Top Rank made this match. Yeah, it's uh, and uh, it's hard to say uh, where Mahmoudov is based on a win like this. Two rounds against uh, the competition he was far superior of, but he's a fun fighter. I imagine he'll produce a few entertaining fights. 
along the way here. So, uh, yeah, we'll, and I'm sure we'll see him on a top-ranked card against some useless uh, lump within the next few months probably. Uh, so we got that going for us, mm-hmm. which is nice. Those uppercuts he was from a brutal man, but he didn't even want to throw lead uppercuts all the time. Remember, that's what happened to Can against Garcia. He was throwing the fucking uppercuts for like mid-distance and he got clocked with a left hook. Yeah, yeah. He used to cut that shit out big still. Oh, yeah. Especially like he throws on, like, it's and it, incredible. You know, and a guy like Anderson, I'll tell you what, I mean, that'd probably be the story, him against Anderson, is whether or not Anderson loops something around that uppercut or if he dips and leans right into one. I I would have a hunch that it's going to end based on you know, that you know uppercut who, being thrown one way or the other. Sorry, Matty, do you know who they might put him in with? Do you know Stephen Shaw, who they put a, a Jagber in with recently and a Jagber beat him, Shaw didn't let the hands go. They might stick him in with someone like him, actually. Yeah, that was pathetic. Got that sparring partner mentality. Yeah, He, he should have absolutely won that fight. Uh, was a but he's still got the record. Guy. He's like, say, 21-1. Like, he's got the aesthetically pleasing record and he's gone the distance with a Jagba that they could maybe still get a bit of mileage off him. And if a Mahmoudov stopped him, it would increase his stock a little bit, maybe. Or not. Uh, sorry about that. One was, was on. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, we'll Maggie, see. Maggie dragging in that shit, man. Well, we'll we'll see if that ends up happening. I mean, it's a as you said. I mean, it's not a, a difficult fight to make. I mean, what the hell is Stephen Shaw doing at this point in time? What is what is he doing with his life? Probably nothing that interesting. So, yeah, um, see what happens. Maybe he'll try this time. Maybe after having that first experience, uh, he'll uh, find himself in a position where uh, he actually wants to put the punches together and he won't be so nervous. So, uh, but we'll see, man. That that sparring partner mentality is hard to break. It has ruined many a talented fighter over the years um i have a quick story on that matty sorry i don't want to just um uh, take us off track too much but there was a fighter from uh, ireland from castle bar called michael sweeney and he was always very talented very good amateur big unit used to get asked into camp with manny stewart all the time manny stewart really liked him had him sparring with chad dawson adonis stevenson he knew andy lee obviously around that time he even done a few rounds with klitschko and, he, and Manny used to say he had all the talent in the world, but he used to turn up and he would fight the likes of Ian Timms and get overworked over 10 rounds, never in shape, complete sparring partner mentality, just couldn't let it go in the ring at all, Michael Sweeney. You know, guys make a decent living doing that. I mean, you know, they're dragging mm-hmm. them overseas, you know, like... Used to uh, get bought over to Germany and all for the camps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just Malik Scott. I mean, the same thing. He was going over, and that's what happened to him, really. He was... Uh, Malik was a really talented fighter, and uh, then he uh, he had a shoulder injury while he was on his way up, and he took a few a couple years out of the ring from that, and he just was getting himself back going, just being in other people's camps. And I don't think he ever broke that really. Um, Malik Scott, yeah, he's yeah. probably lifting that wife of his, wasn't he? On OnlyFans, he was be enough to put your shoulder out. There you go. But he, uh, man, he he was a talented fighter, and I mean, you, the way Don Charles spoke about him, it's just one of those where just whatever it is in the ring. He was less than the sum of his parts because he was a fantastically gifted fighter. But anyway, speaking of fantastically gifted fighters, um, I have to say that my highlight of that night uh, with the top-ranked card was Abdullah Mason in his own second-round stoppage over Brazilian Alex de Oliveira. Uh, Just an incredible fighter, uh, tremendous hand speed, great combinations, um, you, you got to see him challenged, obviously, Andy, to to kind of pin down where he might be. 
But uh, as I've seen this kid rising up through these undercards, I think he's getting better and better. And he's only 19 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's uh, 10 and 0 now. Uh, moving him along all right, uh, waiting for that next step. But my God, the tools are there. This is a very quick, very fluid fighter. Combinations, tremendous. And that spearing left hand he had to the body, man, that'll just snap the wind out of you, Andy. Good, good fighter. Yeah, really good fighter. I think he was very tight. He came out the amateurs. Uh, I think he's got a few national medals or uh, championships, not possibly, but step up step up for him as well. Not so much in terms of opponents, not because I had looked through his records before the fight and uh, I noticed he'd been off. He'd been out the ring for a number of years. Um, my second year, I think it was it was a decent length of time. Uh, aye, ten years. He'd been out the yeah, ring he'd been off studying law apparently. Aye, and he's twice back, the age of Mason. <laughs> He come back in March 22, and he's lost all his three fights since he come back in that. And fucking showed to be fair, I mean, that, that kid does look class. Only 19, as you say, my the weight again. I, I just need to wait and see as, as to where he, he kind of ends up over the next three and a bit years. I would say because obviously he's going to do a bit of growing. I think 154 will probably be where he kind of lands, possibly. Um, don't know what height he is, mind you, to be fair. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes now. But yeah, look, there's not really much to write home about. Again, he was not he wasn't really up against anybody, he was meant to kind of showcase his skills now because it wasn't you know step up what I mean it was, it was terms of kind of TV slot and that as well. So he's got a kind of main, main card shown, so he's done pretty well in that regard. But you've got to remember the opponents and the hunt at the end of the day, mate, to be fair. So again, owners and upwards, we've got to see him against better, to be fair. Yeah, and uh, well, I mean, when you're 19 years old, only uh, only your tenth fight, uh, you can't really knock the level of opposition. You know, they're they're moving them along pretty well. It's a, the, the, Steve, the, it's it's funny. They they just don't get fighters out the way that they do. Um, recently, I was looking uh, just at at Vladimir Klitschko's uh, boxing record the other day, and uh, before he fought Ross. Uh, uh, purity and he and he got stopped and, and is taking his first loss. He had fought five weeks prior that, and then four weeks prior that, mm. um, and then I think like two or three months after the purity defeat, he was back in there again. So I, I know that's neither kind of here nor there, but it's just stunning over the last twenty twenty five years how they've changed this process of moving prospects uh, up. It's it's a completely different business. But Abdullah Mason, nineteen years old, these kind of tools keep moving him up the ladder. Uh, don't keep this kid inactive. I want to see, uh, I, w- I want to see him again. I want to see him soon. What about you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm high on him. Just to close off the Klitschko point, you're absolutely right. And they were putting him in against guys like Taurus Bidenko and Timo Hoffman as well. Not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, but fellas who would take him rounds and give him the experience. Similar to Mason, I really like the look of him. I've said before on the pod, I'm useless at picking out these prospects, especially when there's a big pool of them all in one go, which top ranks seem to sign them. Obviously, after the Olympics or after a major tournament, you see a load of guys turning pro and you might have nine or ten guys all at the same time. And I really struggle, as I've said before, to distinguish them from one another. And then eventually the sort of mist clears and you start to see individual traits, a couple of them get picked off, like Jahi Tucker last, did last night. Bruce Carrington maybe didn't look as impressive last time. You've got Tiger Johnson. They're starting to become their own people now. Keyshawn Davis as well. That's the way I kind of work through this. But a couple of fights ago, I saw Abdullah Mason, similar to you, watched him bang somebody out, and I thought, I really like the look of him here. US national youth champion, not even 20 years of age, fighting a guy 18 years his senior, as Andy mentioned, this chap from Brazil. These aren't the type of fights that are going to really uh, teach him too much. But in front of a more or less home crowd, banging people out like that, turning up the heat, 
knocking the guy down. You could see the power. Tim Bradley, again, described Mason afterwards as a young Southpaw version of pretty boy Floyd Mayweather. So, um, no, you know, really put it on the young lad's shoulders. But at the moment, oh, I love shit, it. man. You had Roy Jones Jr. like fucking <laughs> preaching to Jared Anderson, putting the weight of the world on him. You're like, yeah, like, yeah, like, let's set fucking reasonable expectations for these guys. What the fuck, man? Like, my God. No. No pressure, no pressure. But there's him. He's he's fighting his way through. Dante Benjamin's looking decent as well with the knockout. Uh, Tiger Johnson didn't see that one or any of the prelims got a win. And they're starting to separate themselves now. The likes of Keyshawn's coming through. He stepped up. Abdullah Mason, next time I want to see him stepping up as well. Really like the look of him. It could turn out to be the best of the bunch, but it's when you get to those championship fights, those higher level opportunities when we really see what these guys are made of. But at the moment, at 19 years of age, they're doing a good job with him. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how he develops They've got some really good prospects at the moment, top rank. Yeah, and and like you said, it, it's kind of hard separating them out, and they are getting separated out. Did did you say uh, Jahai Tuck, Tucker lost? Yes, he lost to uh, an eight round decision to Niklaus Flaz uh, from Puerto Rico, the Beast, who I've actually seen on one of our favorite um, showbox cards that we watch, Matty. He lost by TKO one to Janelson Figueroa Bocachica. Uh, back in 2020, three years ago. So he's come back strong since then with a win. And now he's upset Jahi Tucker. I didn't see the fight myself, but that's a that's a big loss for Tucker, considering the last time Flaz stepped up, as I said, Boca Chica absolutely banged him out. But that said, Boca Chica can punch like a mule. So that's maybe um, not such a bad thing. Yeah, we'll see, man. I, I, I thought last time I saw Tucker that he looked pretty damn solid out of the bunch there. I guess yeah, I was just never incorrect. Know. Just never know. Um, Tiger Johnson on that card as well, uh, getting an eight-round decision. Um, I, I think Tiger Johnson is good enough. I don't know that you guys saw these ones. This was no, on the no. ESPN Plus portion. Uh, my hunch on on Tiger Johnson, though, Steve, is he's uh, going to be the Terrell Gaucher kind of level fighter. I, I see some similarities there. Um, mm. We'll see what happens with him. I, I think that he just might be missing a little bit of that pop that he needs to make it really happen on the high levels. Yeah, I think Terrell's made a good uh, carved out a decent career for himself. But um, he can clearly punch. He just can't let the hands go for whatever reason. He's been involved in some of the worst fights I've seen in recent years. So uh, a low bar you're setting for Tiger Johnson there, Matty. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's I think he's a future gatekeeper. He might get a chance and he'll probably yeah. fall short. Um, you know, but we'll see on that one. Uh, DeAndre Ware on that one uh, in a decent fight. Uh, exchange uh, Moments uh, exchanging hard hooks with the Carlo Perez. Uh, taking a decision victory over him uh, on, I think it was over eight rounds. I like DeAndre that. Ware, puncher. Um, I think he's a fireman in his, spare, well, I say spare time. He, you know, take up pretty much uh, a lot of your time. He's a good fighter. Seems like a good guy, Ware, from what I've heard of him. Yeah, well, he should, he should definitely be working with uh, Teddy Atlas then, because if he's a fireman, well, if we're halfway <laughs> there. Um, so, uh, but yeah, he, he looked pretty good on that one. Uh, I, I like that, ES, that ESPN Plus just kind of, runs the whole thing. You get about four hours on there. Uh, we're getting, uh, that's the one thing I have to say since the fall of HBO boxing, which was a big loss for boxing. The, the only positive sense then is I think that there've been more options for seeing the entire undercard of, uh, of fights, even if it's not on the main uh, channel. Uh, so that that is that's for the good win. and the bad, Matty, as well, because I think sometimes you see them and you say that's good that we got to see that. And other times you say there's a reason why HBO didn't show half of these fights. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And then we can avoid them in the future. And if we choose to watch them, well, that's our own fucking mistake. Right, Steve? Yeah. Yep. Got to use our damn heads sometimes. Um, 
But, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, we'll go to this one. I uh, uh, didn't use my head too well. Uh, I thought this fight would be more entertaining than it was. Unfortunately, not so much. Uh, with uh, Savannah Marshall taking a majority decision over Franchon Cruz Desern in a fight that I thought was 7-3. Boxing scene had it 6-4. Obviously, one of the judges had it even. Uh, I, I just thought that Savannah landed a lot of the better shots in there, even though at the distance it was fought at was probably more dictated by Cruz Desern in there. Uh, Steve, uh, Franchon starting out with a stirring res- uh, rendition of uh, the Star Spangled Banner. And uh, kind of uh, all downhill from there, uh, give or take. Yeah, first round was okay. A pretty sloppy fight all in all. Uh, Marshall not able to find her distance. Um, it, it's just not much to say on this one. I, I think everybody was disappointed with this one, particularly Mrs. Uh, Cruz Desern. Absolutely. No, I've got plenty to say on this one. Don't worry. First of all, um, fair play to her for singing the national anthem. People say, no, that was terrible. But as a non-singer myself, I'll tell you what, she had a fair set of lungs on her. I thought she sang very, very well. Uh, Good job she hasn't got the David Price um, gas tank on her. Otherwise, she would have been done by about round three. But she fairly belted (laughs) that out. She would have been done at the second verse. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) She she belted that out. Fair play to her. She's done a great job. But as for the fight itself, it was so sloppy. It was one of the worst fights I've seen in a long time. And I, I don't, you know, I've said before, if a women's boxing fight, I don't judge it on the fact whether they're women or not. If I'm interested and there's two names, like I was very interested in Savannah Marshall um, against the quote, Taylor against Serrano, again, interested in that. If it's two good fighters and I think it's going to be a good scrap, I'll tune in. I thought this would be better. Des, a friend of the pod, was saying in the Nutters group before just how bad technically Cruz Desern was beforehand, and he kind of even undersold it a little bit. She has, it's fair to say, made the most of her limitations. This type of level of fight shouldn't really be uh, for an undisputed championship. You know, after that fight, Savannah Marshall walking away with all the four belts just shows the weakness of the division, really. And one of the lads in the Nutters group, again, I can't remember who it was to give them their credit, says, never mind women's fights going up to three rounds, uh, three-minute rounds. They should be going down to one-minute rounds <laughs> to spare us all after that, which I thought was quite a, a funny cold. quip. That's it was a cold, cold quip. It was a cold quip. But you're right about Cruz Desern. She she makes the most of it. She looked like she was knackered after about round two, but she kept going. She has a housewife appeal. She's very physically strong. Don't really know what she landed. A lot of the time, Marshall was landing a decent or a half-decent clean shot, and Cruz Desern was grabbing onto her and just pulling her into the trenches. It wasn't the sweet science by any stretch of the imagination. I thought Marshall was a worthy winner. That said, wasn't impressed with Marshall either. I don't know what she's doing stylistically. Uh, Peter Fury seems to have her with the early Tyson uh, Huey Fury kind of style, this sort of bobbing from side to side, burning a lot of energy. If she had just stood up, I thought, got the hands up, jab, jab, one, two. She could have picked off Cruz Desern before she grabbed hold of her a lot easier. This leaning in, giving up her height, not jabbing enough. Just don't think that style works whatsoever. I don't think she has whatsoever. the footwork, Steve. I, I mm, don't think slow she has footed. the footwork. Both were very slow-footed. Yeah, you could quite well be right. Is she the big puncher they made her out to be? Maybe knocking a bit at my favourites, the African girls in Lost Property PE shorts, but against the, the people with a decent chin, like the Groat, who herself, as I said in the chat last night, uh, to- fights like a puncher and talks like a ticket seller. She's neither of them. If she wants to fight Marshall in the rematch, she's going to have to come over to the UK and do it because I don't think there's the appeal for her there. But the Groat is head and shoulders above these guys. And as you have put me on to now, Matty, the sweet Terminator, 12-0, and 0, 11 by KO, Shadeja Green, I want to see her fighting Marshall next and the winner fighting the quote. I know Ben Shalom come into the ring and said, oh, we don't want to see Shadeja Green, we want to see the rematch. No, I want to see Shadeja Green fight Marshall 
And the winner of that can then go on to fight the Groat. And, and I, I imagine if she fights like she did last night, Marshall might be in a lot of trouble if Green's power is as real as you say it is, Matter. Well, and in, in as we, I was talking with this uh, in the the Nutters chat with the the Doctor FMG, who was quite put off by the the fight and the whole, and uh, but but had a little bit of respect in general um, towards uh, some of the fighters discussed, and and he'd mentioned that he's seen some of Green, not impressed with uh, with her foot speed, but I, I don't think it matters against against Marshall. I don't think she has that great a foot speed either. And someone else in women's boxing who didn't wasn't very fleet of foot was Ann Wolf, and Ann Wolf still has the, really what is the recognized as the finest KO in the history of women's boxing. And and Steve, I, I know people don't want to discuss this too long. The, some of our guys are, are put off by women's boxing, and I get it, not your sport. But I think when you're talking about what women's boxing needs right now, now that it does have some momentum, this fight obviously didn't help it, but it's not going to kill it. It's one fucking fight, but they need a KO on the big stage to take that next step up the ladder. And I think green against Marshall might give us that it, yeah. it, it it's an undisputed championship with uh Clarissa shields waiting in the wings uh, for the winner. So that is, opportunity is there and i i feel like green's gonna sure as hell give it a rip i mean that 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 woman does not fucking play and she is definitely technically stronger than fran sean cruz discern that's that's 100 sure uh, but she is also a tremendously physical woman so yeah I, i'll just add very quickly i don't want to dwell on it too long that we need a puncher like we saw Ali getting Ramla Ali, was it getting knocked out last weekend? We need more of that type of thing. And if Shadeja Green can bring that, that's what I want to see. The Dr. FMG, I'm not following in his footsteps. I don't want to go and watch her. I want to be, I want to live on this 12 and 011 KO record, like as if she's the big puncher that the women's boxing in this division needs. Because when I watch her and she's dead sloppy and she's fighting against Norton Five Housewives from Minnesota, I'm going to be all disappointed and sad that she's not the second coming. So I'm not going to go and watch her. Yeah, that's exactly. a whole lot of women to handle, though, isn't it? That cruise design. <laughs> she is. She is her, and I believe her husband is a uh, is a as um, a, 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 a brave jun- man, junior featherweight. I believe he is. Yeah. I believe he is fighting at junior featherweight. He must be one of the strongest junior featherweights in history, then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, he he said he gave up his career because uh, he just kept suffering from pelvic pains. <laughs> No. no. Is that Audrey or Holmes, or is that the Gwotes fella? What's that? Yeah. No, uh, Cruz Desern's husband. Uh, what, what the fuck? Hi, uh, the Gwotes hooked up with one of the lower... Fo- is, it, is it Audrey or Holmes? Is, he's the Gwotes yeah. husband, I think. Has she? Well, good for her then. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she was uh, She was there having a great time last night. Oh, she was. Uh, I wish she'd nipples shot. there to be seen by everybody through that white top she had. Good God. Uh... Fucking that, but that is boxing, isn't it? There you go, Steve. Were you preparing that for the bell use? Well, here yeah, we are. Yeah, don't worry. I got that all right. Yeah, Des Watson kicking in 79p as soon as he saw that. Didn't say anything. Just happy to look at the uh, quotes tits again. Right, Des? We yeah. know that's why. We got two, we Matthew. We got Ryan Chisholm as well. And yeah, oh, Ryan Chisholm throwing in five said he had get more by spent all my money on Derek Chisora's OnlyFans. I'm sorry. Ooh. I would you go with a uh, Michaela Mayer's OnlyFans if you're going to go with a, an OnlyFans? Why not? She's a she's a classy broad, right? Not like them Australian wenches. Um, I tell you what, is that a comb over the the quotes quote? I ain't even gonna touch that, Andy. The the, the, the nobody la- I saw last night is joining the fantastic hair club. 
unfortunately. Uh, so, uh, but Andy, give us your thoughts on on that uh, on that Marshall uh, uh, Cruz Desert no, fight. And you're okay. I know you saw it. If you don't want to, you're fine. We can move I thought, I right seen, on I seen down. Bits, I mean, as I say, I switched over once the end of the the Maxwell fight. I think Marshall was into the second or the third round by that point. It was just awful to watch me. Just like there was no quality. Steve says she seemed to be kind of like, you know, leaning to Marshall, that is, was kind of like crouching in a lot, you know, negating a lot of her own advantages. And then it says, try to tussle with that woman, man. It's just, it's just going to be in for a sloppy night. It's just I, what it is, mate. I don't know why she gave up her height. You know, and I'll tell you what, it, uh, someone who looked really good, uh, even though, uh, you know, limited opposition, obviously, is Natasha Jonas. She picked up a title in the welterweight division, her second belt, after she moved all the way up to uh, 154. Uh, she's taken out Candy Wyatt in the eighth round. I don't know if you saw this one, Andy, but that left hand just couldn't fucking miss. I mean, uh, Wyatt would not get her goddamn head off the line. Absolutely uh, ridiculous. Just getting walloped by a 39-year-old woman in there. Um, Natasha Jonas potentially moving into a fight with Jessica McCaskill or Sandy Ryan, whoever might pick off the winner of that fight. But uh, uh, a rare stop stoppage in a uh, in a women's title fight there and Jonas left hand uh, Jonas's left hand Andy I mean it, it looked good it is fucking it's a damn good left hand you gotta give her credit on that oh, I'll take your I'll take your word for it mate I'm all, in, Steve? No, I'm all interested in Jonas right. when she's wearing that red dress mate no the opponent, Jonas's opponent was so terrible. I just couldn't stomach it. I'm so sorry. There you go. And it's no, a vacant world title as well, right? Yeah, that from McCaskill's vacant. It's all fucked up thing. So. But yeah, yeah. I uh, but Jonas, yeah, she looked good. Good left hand. Uh, ben Whitaker looked really good early, uh, just kind of dancing around, <laughs> uh, clowning his way through. Yeah, pretty entertaining, all in all. And then uh, facing a few de- rough moments against Vladimir Belizewski. Uh, before getting an eighth round uh, stoppage, I thought it was a pretty weak stoppage, all in all, Steve. But uh, Whitaker, uh, for uh, you know, talented enough, he seems to have all the punches. Could definitely tighten up his defense. Maybe do a little bit less clowning in there. Uh, but uh, it's um, decent, decent enough fighter, and he's going to sell some fights. Oh yeah, he definitely will. Um, I thought the stoppage yeah, was a joke, to be honest. There's no way they should have stopped it at that point, just to keep the KO ratio going. Um, I don't know about Whitaker. This is the first time I've really sat down and watched him. I've heard other people mention it before. And obviously you always risk um, talking about these things being like, you, you know, your 40 plus dad moaning about people, oh, the youngsters these days and all this. And I'll preface it by saying, you know, we've seen it in the past, Hamed, early James DeGale vibe, a lot of Anthony Small kind of vibes. I don't mind these antics at all or showboating if that's what they want to do at a higher level against fighters on a more or less equal footing. So when Roy Jones was doing it against like Glenn Kelly, Kind of didn't mind it. I thought it was very entertaining. World title level against someone who's supposed to be on your class, in the same class as you. I'm okay with that. Absolutely. I just think it's a bit awkward at this level doing that, the level that Whitaker's currently fighting at. Is he? Is it false confidence? Is he trying to sort of pump himself up and motivate himself? Is he? Is a, a facade that he's masking something? I think against guys who are so overmatched, like little Belushki, who can't punch, it's like mocking a little bit, almost bullying. I think it, it kind of gets a bit cringy at this level. If you're going to do it against guys who are kind of a, a, a lot better than Belushki and a lot better than Journeymen, I don't mind it whatsoever. But at this level, I think, or do it in the first round if you want and then knock it on the head. After that, I think it becomes really disingenuous and just looks a bit daft. And um, if he steps up now and he wins multiple undisputed world championships, then fair play to him. He's clearly got the talent. I saw a guy on the box rec forum earlier saying they'd sparred him and he was very, very good. If that's what it takes to get himself motivated for a fight, then that's what he's got to do. But I just think against fellas with a load of losses who are clearly overmatched, can't punch, never going to hurt you. 
you've got to you've got to be a bit classier than that. And and if he's doing it at world level, fair enough. But yeah, I think he should have knocked it on the head last night. I wasn't a fan as it went on. Andy, uh, your thoughts on Mr. Whitaker? I didn't see it, mate. Um, I have seen most of his pro fights, uh, unlike Steve. And then you know, Steve's just pretty much said it off. You know, for me, I've I've no problem with people wanting to hammer up, talk shit, or act in a certain way, providing you back it up. And it's got the thing is, it's got to be backed up at a certain level. How often have we seen these guys coming in and take liberties against guys who are just you know just jobbers at the end of the day? They're only there for a, you know a couple of hundred quid. You know, help you basically pad your record to get you into a better position, and that's that's how you treat them, which is fine. You know, end of the day, when your day comes, you know that's that's what's going to happen. Broner found out the hard way, didn't he? He tried to mock people with that type of shit. You know, there's a time and place. You know, there's you can mention Ali, for example, he took it too far, but most of his stuff was quite playful. Um, I've no problem with it, such as I say, but at a certain level, aye, that's fine. It's like Josh Kelly with the triple left hooks. No time for it, mate. No time for it at that level, unless you're doing it at a world level, you know. So ugh, we'll just leave it at that, mate. He's just, um, I think there's a bit of false confidence there. I think there's maybe a wee bit of insecurity, possibly. Um, but as I say, if, 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 if he continues to do that and he does it up at a much higher level in future, and fair play to the guy, but at the minute, I would tone it back a wee bit. Or if there's a bit of beef or something, like say for your opponent to be being a bit of an arsehole or the two of you going back and forward at the weigh-in or at the press conference or something, and I can understand it, but little Belushki ain't upsetting anybody, man. I felt a bit sorry for him. (laughs) Exactly. Where is your faith? Was it Slovakia? Slovakia has been based in Cork his whole career. He is an honest pro. He he always gives his all, and I thought he should have been allowed to to finish the fight. Well, well, and now he can't fight for, what, like a month or two months or whatever because he has stoppage. Yeah. Yep, and that's how he earns his bread. So uh, those uh, weak stoppages, uh, they, they are not without victims uh, in, in their own way there, right? Um, but uh, anyhow, that was uh, interesting enough performance there. Uh, Andy, did you happen to see Chelly and uh, and Jeffers? No. Well, Steve, I think, uh, you, I don't know if you saw that one, but it's interesting for Zach Chelly. Uh, he's been on uh, both sides of the uh, upset wagon with the bookies. Um, Jeffers, it just... Kind of the way it was against him with Sims Jr. It just seems like his opponent wanted it more than he did. A little, he had his moments, um, but uh, just kind of outpunched, outworked by somebody who had a little bit more desire in him than he did. Yeah, I can't offer any more than that. Matic didn't actually see it. Unfortunately, I was running running the roads at that time, but it was actually a fight I was interested in. Chelly was supposed to fight somebody else. I can't remember who it was for the life of me, to be honest with you. But it was I'm an interesting surprised. fight too, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. 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 I, can't, I can't remember. But after the Sims performance as well, he's been a bit like that at times. Chelly, maybe a couple of steps forward and a step back here and there. He should have been beating Jeffers, even though he was undefeated. He'd been around on the sort of club circuit. I think he might be a Michael Jennings trained fighter, and he's clearly very competent. But someone of Chelly's amateur pedigree, Mark Heffron, MB said, yeah. I thought I really thought Chelly should have done this, and I, I wanted to watch this fight actually because the lads in the chat were laughing about Jeffers' post-fight interview. Apparently, he was trying to give a shout out to his sponsors or something. He was basically going Northern, fucking, you know what they're called, or something like that. You know, he couldn't remember, <laughs> couldn't remember the sponsors' names. So I was trying to get that cut for Belly of the Week, but I just couldn't get a copy, unfortunately, in time. But I, I was, I, I'll say, I'll be visiting the fight. I probably won't, to be honest. But it was one I was looking forward to, and Simpson as well. So it sounds like I missed the best of the undercard, unfortunately. Yeah, goal freaking darn it. Goal freaking darn it. Well, let's move on over to the DAZN card. Uh, 
The only thing I saw was a, a wicked shot from Dalton Smith taking out Sam Maxwell in the seventh round. Didn't uh, really catch anything else on that as I was trying to watch it. It was getting erased from the zone. Um, and that's probably up there again, but fuck them. Uh, Andy, did you see this? I did, mate, and uh, it was quite lethal, the ending it, to be fair. Um, fair play to Smith. Um, I actually pegged this one possibly for a distance fight, actually, but when I started seeing some of the shots, notice that Maxwell was thrown as well, by the way, but, you know, at the end of the day, he, he was getting timed over that jab, uh, but I think Smith really kind of turned the screw around about the second or the third round that he was really holding his feet, really firing vicious right hands and landing him a number of times in that as well. Um, a couple of uh, bangs of the heads. It was obviously caused a couple of cuts on uh, on Smith and that as well. So that potentially could put him out for a few months. Now, well, that heals. Seems to be a wee bit of an issue now for the last few fights. Now as well with Smith actually. So catching up a, a, a few cuts. So it might even cause uh, some scar tissues. But um, that's for the stoppage, mate. I mean, he's just stepped in with that right hand and just absolutely flattened the guy. He's just he's basically like you know. His legs uh, and Maxwell's just basically went like Bambi on ice. It's just basically folded right from underneath him, and he's just li- he'd been lying there. Um, I forget the name that that, that war it was in against that foreign fighter and that, but considering how they, you know, the damage he took in that fight, and then obviously that knockout there last night, you've got to be a bit concerned now about the amount of damage he's going to be taking over his pro career now, Maxwell and that as well. And plus, he's been he had a long amateur career. He's even fought in the World Series of Boxing and that as well. So a lot of miles on the clock. Uh, and as for Smith, they uh, obviously I think he had a Disappointing performance, maybe a fight or two ago, but he's come back there pretty, pretty solidly. And uh, remind everybody, it is uh, you know one to look out for, especially coming up through the British ranks and that. So um, it was a vicious knock. And, and again, I, th- I thought the respect was 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 pretty good in that as well. If you don't, Smith, you were talking about like say Whitaker hamming it up and acting the bam and that. That was good to see because suddenly, uh, as I say, the way Maxwell went down and just remained down in that as well for a, a good while. It was good to see in that as well. So, uh, good performance by Smith. Excellent. Steve, um, you got to wonder, uh, looking at 140 pounds, at least over on uh, that side of the pond, uh, is Smith versus Catterall in the cards in the next year and a half? Um, Catterall, where's he ended up? Oh, yeah, he's with Eddie as well, isn't he? Mm, no, I think they'll probably be looking for higher things with Catterall, considering the Taylor fight and whatnot, and Smith at the moment. I think that was the third defence or fourth defence of his British title. So no, I don't think they'll be visiting something like that in the short term. Maybe the Sam Maxwells of this uh, this world is what they're going to be doing with him. One thing I'm going to pick up on is what Andy mentioned as well. The cuts would be a concern for me too, over both eyes badly. It's happened in the past as well. Remember Ricky Hatton used to cut very badly early on in his career. He had a few terrible ones, against, especially against John Faxton. I don't know how he managed to get through that one. And he would have cut Vince Phillips as well. He cut against him. So I'm not saying he's going to aspire to Hatton levels of greatness, but it's just something to keep an eye on. You know, if, you, if your skin's constantly cutting, it's going to be a bit of a problem. But he might clearly, he's a drinker too. Well, he might, he might, he might well be. I don't know. But um, it's just something to keep an eye on. Well, maybe not keep an eye on for Smith because he can't see anything with all the blood pissing down their eyes. But yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Uh, as for Maxwell, got caught high on the head. He was struggling in the fight. He had eye trouble himself. I think his right eye was starting to close from a bit as early as the as the first. But that's the kind of level he needs to be on. In his last fight against Billy Allington, he wasn't maybe the most uh, offensively inclined. He managed to get rid of um, Well, he won on, on points in the end. Knocked out Sam O'Mason, Casey Benjamin as well. He knows how to box. He knows how to punch when he needs to. And he's, he's moving along in the right direction. His dad's super aggressive in the corner. I think he needs to chill out a little bit. He was having to go at the referee at times. But... 
yeah, a bit hit and miss, Dalton Smith. That's that's the case. You can't give an A star performance every time, but people will remember this. You know, the cuts, the the the, the knockdowns, Smith getting absolutely banjoed at the end. That's what the zone needed as well. Nice, nice little domestic uh, finish to a, a, a fight there. I had to be looking at European rankings that before we came on air. I've just pulled them back up there. Might be a route that the Eddie that might want to go down as well because the title's vacant. You've got Catro and Davis both are kind of tied up as such with world title but, uh, chances. So that, uh, Sandor Martinez is number two. I don't know if he would be interested in a European title fight. I think that would be a, a good good test for Dalton Smith. But That's a good fight. Yep. And then there's a couple of British names here but across different promotions. You've got Harlem Eubank and Lewis Ritson. Um, there's another name there, but again, coming off injury, Robbie Davis Jr., you know, that'd be a last chance to loan fight for him. And you've got Pierce O'Leary, potentially as well. You know, these are just kind of like domestic fights I'm kind of like pulling out here. Um, so, so, yeah, look, there's an option there at European level if they can maybe try and, you know, you know wrangle the, the vacant belt because he's pretty much completed at British level, hasn't he? So it's obviously the next logical step up would be European and they fringe world title bobbles and that that they used to pick up. So, I like to see him go European route. You know, that would be ideal for his experience. And then he can wait for his opportunities and that. What is he fighting as super lightweight? So, yeah, wait for, wait for his chance to just start picking up maybe mandatory positions or whatever and that as well. So, Pierce O'Leary would be a good fight, but of course they're both from the different sides of the street. So O'Leary signed with Frank Warren and uh, they're going to be looking... Then I wouldn't put them in together, would they? They'd be looking to steer them in different directions, which is a shame, because that'd be an interesting, Europe, really good European title fight. And Sandor Martin, I don't know, he just... He runs rings around people, doesn't he? Look at the way he caught Lopez twice mm-hmm. as well, and I'd say he'd be a handful. He'd beat Dalton Smith at this stage of their career. I'd say they'd be, probably be looking to swerve him, to be honest. I also think it might be hard for him to get a fight uh, with, with Eddie after how much they paid Mikey Garcia to lose to him. They... They really <laughs> fucked a good. In- he really fucked a good investment on that one. There might be some bad blood. Won't be picking up a close decision that time. I'll tell you that much. Um, so uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Did you guys uh, see Hopi Price getting a stoppage in seven, or Janelle Boston getting a uh, a victory? No, I guess in about a part McCormick. To be fair, me, I think he, he, he again. Um, he's fighting a guy there who's probably at best area level. Uh, to be fair, which is fine, but again, Pat McCormick's above that type of level at this point, mate. Highly, highly rated amateur, and when you fight, getting these guys fighting at that level, sometimes they can, they can, they can zone out. So glad that he kind of like, you know, dealt with him pretty, pretty early, um, and then obviously, again, he's moving up the rounds a wee bit, but not really kind of moving up in class in terms of like say, opponents and that. So could definitely one that could definitely be fast tracked, I think. I um I watched the the whole of this card actually, Matty. I'll just go through it very briefly. So it opened up with Lewis Sylvester against Adam Cope. They were both unbeaten for the English title. Sylvester got the win. Very narrow scorecards. It was tight. Sylvester's a good mover actually. Uh, gets on his bike well. Boxes. Cope was a come forward kind of guy uh, from Hartlepool. He had Neil Fannin in his corner, which reminded me of the old Michael Hunter days about fifteen to twenty years ago. Uh, Hopi Price, yeah, I thought he flattered the deceive for the early rounds and then eventually caught up with James Beach Jr. Uh, James Beach Jr. actually is an interesting one. He's from Walsall, which is not far from Wolverhampton. He had a really good run early on in his career, a lot of wins in a row. And then he came uh, a cropper against Brad Foster, lost to Chris Bork, then Dennis McCann. And he's kind of gone on a losing record now. His father, Jimmy Beach Sr., was a renowned journeyman from the Midlands back in the day. So I wonder if young Beach is going to start to tread that path now. He's 15 and 4 or 15 and 5, so he's starting to rack up the losses a little bit, so he might go the uh, the same route as his dad. Um, McCormick looked really good against Tony Dixon. He's the son Tony... of a beat. 
Rob, I was, <laughs> I was sitting on that one, waiting for the right fucking snooze and lose, asshole. <laughs> Didn't even notice that one, but I'm glad to set it up. God damn uh, it. <laughs> uh, McCormick against Tony Dixon. Yeah, Tony Dixon, I remember getting banged out in 2016 by Paddy Gallagher. He does get beaten by the better opponents. And then this Janaid Bostan. Um, he's, he fancies himself a bit, bit of a switch hitter, 21 years of age, very confident in the sort of Ben Whitaker mould. 6-0 with five knockouts now, beat Ryan Amos. He was very game, came forward, gave it his best. So, Boston, who knows what he's going to be doing. A Boston performance from him over eight rounds, I think it was. Decent car from zone actually. Some good domestic scraps. I kind of enjoyed it. Excellent. Excellent. Rob, Rob uh, we were actually uh, just wrapping this up. What did, what did you catch this weekend? Uh, I, I know what you didn't enjoy. Why don't you talk about what you did enjoy? Well, I, I tell you, I, my concerns were immediately for you for once um, this weekend <laughs> because I was watching the uh, the Savannah Marshall Franchon, what's her name? Franchon Cruz Deverne contest. <laughs> Deverne, yeah. And I saw the, the build-up. Yeah, yeah, well, I saw the build-up and she was very disguised in the build-up. Like, she had big sunglasses on her, earrings, a lot of accessories. And then I saw her in the ring in full HD and I was genuinely got concerned about Maddie. I was like, this guy needs his eyes tested, don't he? I always knew he fucking needed his eyes tested, but now I can confirm. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a scrappy enough. Um, I didn't watch that. Well, who am I kidding? I've just seen the highlights. I watched the, the press conference. <laughs> I, I watched the press conference, right? And then all the... And I feel sorry fucking boxer, like if they're hanging their fucking hopes on uh, bringing boxing back, big time boxing back this guy with Savannah Mar- Marshall and Franchon Cruz. Desern, Desern, Desern. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> but um, scrappy enough fucking fight. But they had the goat there to make things spicy. So they're selling that rematch. You know what I mean? Um, goat yeah. single got her tits out. Uh, she, she's out there and loving it, Rob. Yeah, more power, more power to her. Up with that kind of thing. Um, I saw that, and then I saw uh, my main man, uh, Prince Charles Martin, robbed um, of his opportunity to fucking become two-time world champion. They're not going to deny him; he will be back. Um, Jared Anderson, I, that that clip with, with him and Roy went viral, um, didn't it? Where he's showed like a kind of uncommon uh, trait for a boxer, showing massive self-doubt and vulnerability in that. And like while that was a moving moment between him and Roy, I think it's very fucking telling. Like and I, he he I can't help but feel he's gonna be the latest of um a crop of American heavyweights who've kind of flattered to deceive but ultimately disappointed, you know, set me Chill, Jonathan Banks, these guys who were kind of like on a good trajectory and then they end up just getting fucking blasted over. Like Wilder's been the, the one um who's on the, he's he's been the only American heavyweight in recent times that's kind of um graduated from the class, if you like. Ruiz, is, Ruiz has done well too. I mean, especially in the time of Giants, uh what what he kind of yeah, does the six four tubby fucker. I guess I suppose I've fucking been uh, like stereotypically viewing Cruz as uh, Ruiz as Mexican rather um but yeah, he's an American fighter, American heavyweight as well. But you, you get what I mean. That's like American high hope heavyweight. They're pinning everything on Jared Anderson. He's with top rank. Like, I would say Charles Martin's really only lost like to good fighters. So he's lost to Anthony jo- he's lost to Anthony Joshua, where he fucking quit basically. 
He was giving Luis Ortiz a decent fight, even though Luis Ortiz is 155 years of age at the time. And after he was bouncing Luis Ortiz around the place. Yeah, yeah, he had dropped at Ortiz twice, like in that fight. As far as I remember now, awkward shots and that, like, and that the technique is horrible. But he did, he, you know, and then fucking Luis Ortiz did a Terry Harper on him, didn't he? And fucking sent him to the other corner standing up, like. <laughs> um, but the fact that Anderson didn't seem to have him in trouble at all, I think he dropped him with a with a kind of a fucking. It was a it was a low impact enough knockdown, um, and was getting tagged heavy himself by Charles Martin, who doesn't really have much technique or finesse about him or kind of set up on the shots. It's all very raw and awkward looking, and he was getting caught and he looked tired. So it was a good test for him. Maybe down the line it'll be good on his record. But anyway, long story short, I'm I'm over fucking. Uh, stating this and you know boxing fans are frequent things could change but to me I've seen enough like from Jared Anderson in that performance no he's not going to make it at the top but it doesn't matter anyway because by the time he gets to the top it could be four to fucking five years we'll still know you know further on with this heavyweight pantomime that's going on at the moment I feel like saying to all the heavyweights don't fucking worry about your record because it's not going to matter anyway you're never getting a title shot the boys are holding on to the, the trinkets so there's no point continuing with your professional career to this point unless you're fucking comfortable with the fact that you won't be fighting for silverware because the belts are held hostage by a couple of muppets who are holding the whole division um, to ransom in, in and five, being allowed to do it like in five years Rob you're, you're going to be like think you're like going to promise you we're going to get Tyson Fury against Jared Anderson on the Isle of Man <laughs> We're going to get Tyson Fury, Derek Chisora 5 in Sheffield. Mm. So, I mean, I, I think Derek Chisora would be a good next opponent for Jared Anderson. Just kind of see yeah. where he really is at. Like, that'll be kind of a, you know, maybe get Derek to travel. But obviously, that boy hangs out for the money, big boy. Well, that boy wouldn't, like, I don't think. That boy's fucking, he's only in it, for, in it for the paycheck at this stage. So, probably be, he probably wouldn't even be able to get that boy at this stage. So, maybe Matt McCauley, someone like that, or... Yeah, it might be a good fight for him next, but dude, that's a real know. fight. McCauley yeah. gave him trouble. I was thinking, Rob, imagine that would have been Luis Ortiz last night in that fifth round. It would have got Anderson. Killed him. He'd have finished him, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah he killed him, yeah. He'd get, probably now even would have killed him. Yeah. What age is Ortiz now? 50 yards, 51, 52. 83, like... I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know he gets ten yeah. percent off at most restaurants now. <laughs> So yeah, kind of a shitty weekend for boxing um, in short. Yeah, it uh, it was a weird weekend uh, as far as it goes. Weird weekend for news as well. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I I feel like I kind of checked out of boxing for a couple of hours, walked back up. Tyson Fury's fighting Francis Ngannou and Canelo's fighting the, the 154-pound Charlo, not God the fucking damn it, we, we were going to get to that. You, you are are you always, always getting ahead of the game there. Always premature. I was, I was just going to ask you something about that. It's always good. You know, that's something I learned. If you get the self-deprecating joke in before anybody else, you're, you, you win. And uh, you definitely win this round, Rob Kelly. You fucker, you. Um, but uh, Liam Wynn uh, throwing in uh, 199. says, sick of rubbish cards being served. Served up, fed up. Yeah, it's some trash. And I, I guess that's a good segue there. I did want to touch real quick before we move into this. Uh, there was an upset in Germany uh, with Vincenzo Gualtieri uh, taking a decision over uh, Escueva Falco, uh, taking the 160-pound IBF strap in the process right there. So a little bit of shakeup in the fucking mediocrity that is middleweight. And uh, as Rob alluded to, uh, we, we were, uh, you know, told that, uh, Canelo was going to PBC where there are all these potential mouthwatering fights available. 
And uh, then we got the disappointing news that it was going to be against Charlo, 160-pound Charlo. We thought, no, no, my friends. They can fuck us even more and say, no, we're dragging up somebody from two weight divisions south. And now we don't get to see Zoo against Charlo. No Benavidez against Canelo. Uh, it, Steve, it, it's it's just uh, it, it it they they just stick it in there and it without lube, you know. It, it they don't even do it friendly like it's it. They're just fucking right up the boxing fans' ass anymore. I mean, what a fucking joke! It was uh, I, I think it was on Max on Boxing. It was referenced that that the potential fights that you could see with this three fight Canelo deal uh, are going to be Canelo against each of the Charlos really give a fuck about those and potentially Errol Spence jumping up what three weight divisions or do a catch weight maybe you know Canelo coming down three pounds four pounds or something like that Mm. what in the flying fuck is going on here I I don't think I'm gonna buy that Canelo card they better fucking make the undercard the as juicy as the best steak as you've ever had or I can't touch it what a fuck to the boxing fans this is well, um, if you want to listen in depth, me and the boys get a life. Uh, jumped on the Nutters call last night for an hour. Joe Kennedy was on, Danny Young, Justin as well, the North Carolina assassin. <clears throat> I'm going to say you can listen into what I said. I can't really remember what I said, to be honest, but the link's there in the chat. Have a listen to us talking about it. We thought it was going to be the other one. Obviously, he's having a bit of trouble, so he's ducked on out and let his brother climb up two weight divisions. Bit of a free hit for Jamel. There's a bit of family feud could be built in here. If he bangs out the one, then he could fight the other one in the second fight. And that's two of the three fights gone altogether. Third fight has to be Benavidez. We talked about this last night. You can't sign with the PBC and not end up fighting him. Whether he fights Morel in the interim, which I don't think they will do that, remains to be seen. But I think they're, they're keeping him on ice, uh, fighting against Yildirim. He's got to fight Canelo in that third fight after he's got through one of at least, or maybe both of the Charlos. Yes, you has been fucked over by it. Benavidez at the moment temporarily has been fucked over by it as well. I said to you in the chat of, as a laugh about Errol Spence moving up when he destroys Crawford. And then, lo and behold, other people seem to be talking about this as well. Errol being the third fight going on. Your satire is, is the boxing promoter's <laughs> exactly. sadistic thought. It's becoming what? true. <laughs> Quit but, fucking uh, pushing this into existence. Is that, is that Benavidez Yildirim fight actually happening? Because uh, I, think I, I don't think it's is... been confirmed, but that's what they're talking about. But that says to me, Andy, that they're Fuck. keeping him on ice for the third Canelo fight. Canelo cannot sign with the PBC on a three-fight deal and not fight Benavidez. That's a duck, in my opinion. Who he fights before that, I don't know. We know it's going to be Jamel. Yeah, but... Not loving that fight, really, but we'll see. The third fight has got to be Benavidez. you got to think last, that they're trying to keep Benavidez late, as late as possible. If it's going to happen, it'll be Mexican Independence Weekend 2024. Yeah. When God knows how how Benavides is going to be able to make the weight at that point well, in time. I mean, that, he's already boiling to 168. I said that last week, but to, to be fair, Benavidez, I forget who he's called out. It's either Canelo at this point. Who, who was the other one that he called out? Because I tell you what... Oh, remember, he remember his dad was on talking about it, and then Benavides came out himself and just basically sh- shot on it, says it wasn't true or whatever. Not what fucking fight was it? Was it the morale pay per view that was, was being David discussed? Mar- Mar- David Morel, Mar- Mar- which David, sucks. David. That was a fight, man. That was a fight. So we've went for fucking David Morel or potentially Canelo to fighting fucking Yildirim. Are we fucking serious, man? You, you can't start fucking shitting on folk and, you know, then all that, then turn around and fight fucking Yildirim for Christ's sake, man. Yildirim's Turkish. Will they even let him into the country at this fight point? Fight Bungia if you go to fight someone, man. Fucking yeah. fight Andrade or someone in the top five. No fucking Yildirim, man. 
Canelo's leftovers. <laughs> that three round Chris destruction. Chris leftovers, mate. Yildirim's like made some money off the sport, hasn't he? Oh, I. He, he I must mean... have some pictures in his top jaw. He oh, did I. almost win that Super Six, though, Steve. Well, he was. He was doing well for a while in that first Eubank round, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, I don't know. It, it's just such. It's it's such a a, a joke at this point in time, and. Uh, it, it's truly disappointed. And I, I got to tell you, I think what it tells me, honestly, guys, is that Canelo is acknowledging to some extent the fact that he's slowing down and he just wants to kind of cash it out at this point in time. And if somebody wants to pay him to do it, uh, I, it'd be well. Uh, it's just, it's getting really ridiculous at this point in time. And they're starting to cut money here and there. Um, ESPN saving some bucks, not renewing the contracts of either Max Kellerman or Andre Ward. Um, I, uh, I, there's a lot of signs that boxing is in trouble, but you hear stuff like this, Rob, and it's like, I don't know that boxing has uh, any desire to, oh, and then Rob disappeared. Uh, Andy, I don't think there, I don't think that it has any desire to fix itself. I, I don't know what the circumstances are at ESPN. I, mean, I, I, said, I only found out that Max Kellerman was leaving yesterday. Um, I didn't know what the situation was. I didn't know he was getting you know, a sidestep. The first time I heard about Andre Ward was this morning when I woke up and I seen something on Twitter. And I was, this is weird because when I seen a video of him speaking after the fights last night, he says he's, he's planning a book in November and he's seen he's planning a couple of other books after that. So he's obviously got other projects in mind, but... I don't know what the situation is, but then obviously as well, if you, if you mention what top rank have been putting out in terms of content, you know, quality control, if you want to mention that, and the fact that they're only putting out the vast majority of these fights are not going past much as uh, much as 10 rounds. It does seem like there's a cost-saving exercise across the board, but it's like everywhere they're doing, mate. I mean, you know, every, all the prices are going up. There's going to be savings made somewhere to try and, you know, get the money moved into different directions, possibly, but I don't know. I really don't know. I know it's like, yeah, is it Fox One? I think they've had a, uh, a few people leave or a few shows cancelled or maybe a, a rejig of you know, certain things, but I didn't even really follow the kind of ins and outs of who's, who's doing what, but to be fair, what was good about last night's broadcast was there was no Tessitor. That was a good thing because uh, that guy can just spoil any event that he's commentating on, including the NFL, mate. So that was that was a saving, saving grace there last night. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's it's worrisome. And uh, Bradley's still going to be around on ESPN. Mark Kriegel oh. somehow still has a job. I don't know what he does there. Teddy Atlas Light. It's well, it's just he doesn't have the background of Teddy, right? At, at, at least Teddy has been there and done that. You know, you, you, what what he says. You know, like you can't necessarily like argue with them like oh you don't know your shit like yeah see, see boris was was i think max kellerman had been slightly underused by espn because he didn't you know have like a talk show with that stephen a smith or something and then yeah, he got, they binned him off didn't they but yeah, then they it's, put it's, him it's on like a morning show with somebody uh oh, was, he? so he's been active then because i think yeah. like, i've never seen him for months wasn't it basically. first take or was is that what I, I think that's what it was he was on five million dollars a year someone said hi Money for a rope, that isn't it? I thought Kriegel was quite muted last night. Actually, he was—he he usually quite goes on for a bit, bit like myself. But he—he he was short and sharp and wasn't really jumping in. And I don't know, maybe. I'm not sure. It's I. You know, what I'm kind of curious about is what Max might do next. Obviously, who knows how that's all structured? But back to rapping, curi- back to rapping. Well, I'm just gonna say. Well, <laughs> I I'd be curious if because it seems like basically they're they're getting uh, people that are involved in boxing to buy shares. 
of Pro Box TV in some way, shape, or form, and kind of chip in on what needs to be done. Well, I'd be curious when, when if, if Kellerman, I mean, if he was pulling five million a year, if you would buy, try to buy a stake of that and start par- participating in Pro Box, I like what they're doing over there, and, and I think if there's anyone I would like to see like slowly work their way up, not do something stupid but just slowly kind of build what their brand is. It's ProBox because I think their mm. base is if, great. If Kellerman likes his money, I'll put it nowhere near it. As the great Irish matchmaker Thomas Rowan said to me once, the only people who come out of boxing as a millionaire are those who come in as a billionaire. There's no money to be made in this sport. He may take his money and run off as quick as he can, never mind putting it into ProBox TV, in my opinion. Yeah, but it's a great place to launder money, Steve. Well, that's true. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Go to Jordan and Dubai. Yeah, it's like, why are you willing to take a 12% loss every year? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. I I, per, I know a lot of people are hard on Kellerman and stuff. I, I have always liked Max, and I think it's... People don't like Max for the same reason a lot of people don't like me. It's just we we're, we love the sport at a, at a different level sometimes, and it's not necessarily analytical, and we're not going to always be right just because we think with our hearts too much, and just because we really just love the sport like children to some level. Um, and it's it'll be I don't know. I, I want to see him land on his feet because he, he does he does really love the sport, and I think that's the most important thing. Like I I don't think that he wants to to rake anyone over the coals on this. I think he just wants to participate in telling the story of boxing. So I don't know. We'll see where Max ends up from here. Andre Ward, someone mentioned uh, that they'd like to see him replace Abner Merez on Showtime. I don't know that I'd be opposed to that. I, I'm pretty fond of Andre um, on the uh, the microphone, and I actually do kind of like the banner between him and Bradley. I, I don't know where you guys are at on that. Oh, are they, I, are they getting rid of Ward, are they? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. That must have been when you were on taking your Wii. Yes, possibly. Yeah. So he's actually, you know, so it's actually like contract not getting renewed, or there be no reason why. But is he leaving? On They're not renewing. Board? They're not renewing. Walking out with his wee backpack with his stuff in his lock in his backpack from his yeah, locker. It's it sounds like they're just trimming and, and stuff. And I mean, if you think about them getting rid of Andre and and Max, I mean, in that frees up some boxing cards and stuff like that. But and maybe everybody does need to be taking a cut. But I think that the fact that they're trying to put on a lot of these cards and and they're uh, you know there's still some main events that are just like way overpaid and 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 such. And uh, I I don't know. I I, I feel like. They're, they're, they're starting to trim the fat and that's good. It needs to be trimmed in a lot of ways in boxing. And that's why I was, you know, so on board with Terrence Crawford and some of his demands with Errol Spence. But I, um, I, I, I worry that the fighters are, are going to be the last ones to get the memo here. And, and, uh, the, they need to take a pay cut too, at this point in time, you, you can't be fighting fucking chumps for, for millions of dollars. It, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and I, I think maybe the last deal that we're going to see of this, uh, that's fashioned kind of this way, because it's going to fall flat on its ass is probably going to be this new PBC deal with Canelo. I think, I think it's the numbers are going to be shit if this is what they're offering us. Mm, I don't know. We, we, we've gone on about purses for about 20 years now. People are getting paid too much, etc., etc. I don't know. The market dictates, really, and ESPN are supposed to have all the money in the world. And I don't know. I'm not sure about the purse. I don't really want to get into it now, but the purse argument, yeah, I suppose PBC have overpaid for a long time, but then their fighters are very inactive as well. So, 
and one one creates the other, and that's the ridiculous culture that they, they they created over there. Is oh, you don't need to fight two, three, four times a year, depending on your level. We'll get you out once or twice, mm. and and you're going to make the same. You'll make the same dollars. And I mean, good on them. Who who could reject that? But it's it's not. Um, not the way to produce entertainment. You know? A lot of them do it when they first come into the sport, don't they? I mean, look at Eddie when he took over at the zone and all that. He was vastly overpaying on people. The likes of Jesse Vargas, Mikey Garcia making out like thieves, Danny Roman getting multi-million pound purses and stuff. And then it dries up eventually and everything gets cut back and then things close down. And we see this cycle so many times, don't we? I think people, I think they consistently think that they can monopolize the sport by just throwing money at it yeah. and you can't do it. And I don't think it works out in our favor either. Like it, the best, the best time for boxing, honestly, was probably, probably the nineties. When you think about fights getting made, there's very few discussions about, Oh, I wish so-and-so would have fought so-and-so like, Basically, what do you got? Lennox versus Bo. I mean, obviously some others and shit like that, you know, politics. But the 90s, uh, you had good competition between HBO Showtime. And I, I'm sure you guys had some your good networks over there that were doing things. Um, you had great fights with the uh, middleweights, super middleweights over there at that time. Uh, some absolute classics. Um, and it, it was all done through this this great competition and, and just this realization of trying to do some business across the street and that's completely gone now everybody's trying to monopolize it from the networks to the promoters I, I, yeah i think that i could be off wacky and people probably disagree with me but on the whole i know there's a lot of fights that we don't see but on the whole i think most of the fights do eventually end up getting made now they might be past their sell-by date and you might say oh, uh, so-and-so never fought so-and-so, but then you could turn around and say, oh, yeah, because they got beaten by somebody else, and then they went on and fought somebody else. And I think a lot of the fights do eventually get made. I don't think that's any different. I think we'll be having this conversation again, probably knowing us a lot, sitting here in 10 years' time complaining about the same thing. But I think generally 90% of the time, maybe not as high as that, we do get what we want, I would say. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting discussion, Andy. What, what are, are we? Do we complain too much? Do we get the fights, or not? Uh, you know, I suppose we complain a fair bit, mate. To be fair, but that's only because <laughs> we want. We want. You know, come on. I mean, to be fair, I mean, when was the last? Or how often do we get peak for peak? You know, the the high elite fights happen peak for peak very seldom. I mean, we waited the best part of six years for Floyd against Manny. We've waited almost something similar for uh, for Spence against Crawford. We're still not getting Fury fighting Joshua or or Usyk anytime soon. Even same, we're not going to get Joshua against Wilder as well. You know, that fucking, what else we got? Um, what about the other way? It's Canelo against Benavides. We've been calling it for that fight. Um, Beterbiev, Bivol. You know, been interesting to see. Um, Josh Taylor rematching Jack Cattrall, which would be only fair. Done and dusted now after obviously Taylor lost his last fight. Um, tell me, tell me if, if I'm bitching too much now. Actually, you know, I'm just trying. I'm trying to figure, f- find names that I'm going to uh, or fights that I'm not. J- Boots Ennis waiting and wait. I know he's fighting next week, but he's still waiting for a name. You know, he's still waiting for that opportunity to prove or you know to break out again. Another one. Is he going to be waiting years before you know, like, like a Kawasaki? Is he going to be waiting a number of years before he gets a breakout uh, performance or a breakout name? Um, I need to pull up the rankings now. I mean, obviously, Conor Ben, man, it's just he just made a complete, you know, Eddie on top of that, just made a complete mockery of the sport. Um, 
Liam Smith seems to think he's, he's contracted to fight Eubank. You know, th- that alone, that whole UA Ben situation just proves how fucking shit the sport is, man. This shit's dragged on. Uh, Ryan Garcia's doing Oscar. Oscar's suing Ryan Garcia. Uh, it's it's he, just stupid. The thing is, you had Conor Ben literally come out saying that the eggs were not as part of his defence. Now, all of a sudden, it is part of the defence, you know. So, clearly... The whole, the whole fucking shit, man, just needs, it needs, needs burnt up a little bit. And then you've got one, you know, talk about bait and switch. Charlo, I thought Charlo, the middleweight Charlo was fighting Canelo. Oh, breaks this week. It's a 154 Charlo. What the fuck's happening here? Okay, he's, he's, <laughs> I know. He's, he's maybe more active or whatever you want to call him. Okay, fine, fair enough. Isn't that you, sad? Against almost any other fighter, he has not been more active. He's been out of the ring for a exactly. fucking year now. Exactly. Yeah. You've got Regis Progre, one who I felt was, was going to break out after signing with Eddie. Shits the bed in his last performance. Roley Romero getting fucking world title shots against dead men who fucking were actually schooling him. And you've got shit referee stoppages, shocking cards, um, too many pay-per-view events. I mean, that's the negativity side of it, but on top of it, though, to be fair, there has been some good fights, to be fair. But, Again, we just want we just want the big fights. The happen okay. We had Haney against Lomachenko, fantastic. That's probably one of the one of the kind of you know fights, better fights we've had this year. The kind of like elite level. Spence Crawford is, is the one they be had though, to be fair. But I just want to see like so obviously the, the the marquee fights just happening because I'm sick and tired of listening to A size and splits and who deserves what and fucking Dosser this and sausage that. Just fucking make the fights. Is that enough negativity for you, new eye? Oh, that works. Thank you. I, I just, I'm just glad you're willing to play your role today. Thank you. I appreciate that level of pessimism. Good. Fantastic. This will be my last week. All right. Let's see here. Steve, we got any questions in here? I don't know. Oh, I've got so many questions. <laughs> but none, uh, none in the... No. They haven't been asking questions lately. They must know everything they need to know. The nutters are a very knowledgeable bunch. In fact, (laughs) a good time. The most knowledgeable nutter for the past three months has been Owen. Congratulations. The Spillan man. Anyone can get it from the Spillan man. You got it. And uh, so uh, he has won the most recent uh, edition of the Boxing Nutters Prediction League. We'll be kicking off a new one this week. And if you would like to get in on the action, please go ahead and join us over at patreon.com and then we'll bring you into the boxing nutters messenger group and we can take it away from there make sure when you're in there that you mention it to myself uh or joe kennedy in the uh, in the chat um i uh joe is just joe i am maddie the great because i am a sarcastic bastard can i just say um, as well matty in relation relation to owen spillan <laughs> He has manifested this win, so let this be a lesson to all of you. It was him a couple of years ago who put in our highest ever super chat, £250. Do you remember when that came in the one night? And now he has won the Prediction League. So it's karmic. That was the night the 500th, was it, no? Yes, I think it was, maybe. Yeah. Karmic um, retribution or whatever is coming back here for Owen Spillan. So if you put it out there, Matty, like the secret, it comes back to you eventually. So this is a lesson for us all from Mr. Spillan. It truly does. It truly does. Andy, when are you going to join the Boxing Nutters Prediction League and donate your money? I prefer my money in my side pocket, mate. <laughs> He's investing in Pro Box TV. Uh, yeah. Hey, I, here's a question for you, Andy. Who's more crooked between the brass at the WBC and Nicholas Sturgeon? Can't get by a tiebreaker, that wouldn't be fair, mate. That, that needs to go into overtime. 
Think she might have found her future career? Could she get into the world of boxing? She did a fucking good job at it anyway. That she make it all about her. So she 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 built the female version of Eddie Hearn, though, mate. It's all about hey. her. You know, she'd be in every fucking picture, every press conference, and that. Or oh, she'd be telling the fucking people how it'll be getting done, how it'll be getting done, and how when it'll be getting done. No, no if buts or maybe's about that. She'd be running it with an iron fucking claw, the fucking bitch. Um, but yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, Matty, when's the next so I end up getting us banned off, the, off, off YouTube if I keep going on about her man, telling you. When's the next prediction league starting, Matty? It runs in quarters, isn't it? Mark Stanton yep. was asking. It's starting this weekend. It, it's going to be, we'll do it for fights this Saturday. There you go. So, so get in to the Patreon soon. The fights will be, uh, I, I think from the looks at it, they're both going to be Saturday evening fights from the United States. So you guys will have a good amount of time to get your your predictions in, and we'll nurse you through the uh, the process on that one. It's actually very simple. Even though Rob wasn't able to get the process and build out after one week of predictions, the same with Oz. You know, yeah, you, you it's just a it's just. A shame. I'm the lineal I'm the lineal champ of fucking until they beat the man that's beat the man. They can't fucking claim they can be the interim fucking prediction league champion if they want or champion in recess or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 the Charlo of the boxing nutters. I've oh, got the lineage going back to years. fucking 2021 in this fucking prediction league. Okay, but I'm still the only one who won it undisputed for winning the panel one and the nutters one. And that, both the same. That was I mean, the, that was a long grind too. <laughs> you can't you can't get me and Steve uh, to contest this because we're on different sides of the street. Unfortunately, so. <laughs> And when yeah. I won it, it was a, it was like a Voxel conference season. There was forty six predictions that year. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like the old third division back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man, Chorley on a Thursday evening and all. Fucking Turkey uh, United away for him. Fucking Jesus, he <laughs> travelled into Doncaster. I'm waiting for the big money transfer to the Saudi league. To be honest with you, I'm just fucking hanging in there. <laughs> well, the latest winner, Rob, is Owen Spillane, the can man, who won it this uh, this week. So congratulations to him. Well, any Spillane can get it. So <laughs> John Mulhall, fucking John Mulhall, go yeah. on, John Mulhall. Yeah, John Spillane's the Mulhall. Irish are fucking keeping this thing going, <laughs> <laughs> keeping the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, that uh, We do very much appreciate this very much, guys. Uh, a good day. I think it might have been the discussion of the uh, the women's boxing match, Steve. I think that might have been what did it. Yeah, I'm sure. What is it about Francine Cruz desiring that you like exactly? I don't, no, I don't. I think you guys get the wrong idea like I'm attracted to or anything like that. No, I like her attitude. I like her as a person. I like... I like that she's just unapologetically herself, and uh, and you hear her backstory. Some things I didn't know on the gloves off with her and Savannah Marshall. Some crazy shit, like her mom got shot, like waiting for her outside of the boxing gym, ended up fucking dying, and like I think it was you know some odd years ago because of that. And it's just crazy shit, guy. Like the, the gal's been through some serious hell, and you gotta you gotta give her credit on that. Uh, you know, even if it didn't work out for her too much. You know, I, I'm I'm just I'm pulling for people that. I'm always pulling for the underdog. It, it really comes down to that, and uh, she's a likable underdog. And look, at you spend a time, a lot of time pulling for her. Obviously, um, no. I spent a lot of time on the cobbles with her, Robbie. <laughs> well, I I speak about it like because that 160 to 168 pound division is one of those areas where there's some good fights to be made. We already discussed that earlier. We don't need to go any further on it. But it just you know coming up in that discussion, she held all the belts. Her personality is a bit like the quote, like, 
it's a bit like the the diet Clarissa she is. It's like she's like the second greatest. She's like the squat, the second greatest woman of all time. Isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> The uh, see, Jim McDonald said it's not X Factor, Matty, but it was whenever she was belting out that national anthem at the beginning, I suppose. It was a beautiful rendition. I was impressed. So, anyways, we can move on from all this unless you guys want to keep it going. All right. Uh, let's see here. So, we are going to be having uh, an interesting week of fights, guys. I'm looking at the ESPN schedule. Anything happening on your side of the pond, I don't have it in front of me. Um, let me Do see. Do I have anything get... on here next week, mate, to be fair? No, Eddie, Chris, Eddie, Chris Lovejoy is fighting. Um, <laughs> yay for us. Lewis Nery, no, there's nothing here, no. Sad days. Sad days. So, anyways. This is generally our kind of like, uh, down season in boxing. It's usually July, June and July yeah. were usually the quiet months yeah. in boxing. For July, year. August, yeah. And September would start back up again. Yeah, it feels like the only time of the year when you guys are like, eh, let's go outside. It's okay. <laughs> you never know. You know the way things are going with the PBC. Like there could be another two mega fights in for June and July before we know it, because there's no big fucking like public discourse about the fights that they're making, isn't it? They just seem to fucking land them. Crawford, well, apart from Crawford and Spence, was it was played out obviously in public, but they got it done. Never forgetting Canelo straight in with a Charlo. You know what I mean? The, the landscape is looking good. Apart from these muppets in the heavyweight division, everything else is looking pretty uh, thriving at the moment. Like. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, you guys are going to have a lot of options on Sunday. I don't know what the hell you're going to do. I guess I'll do my best to uh, give my recommendations if uh, you will be so inclined to take them. Uh, you're going to have an opportunity on ESPN Plus to watch uh, from Tamoya, Mexico, Luis Neri taking on Fraulein Saludar. Almost sounds like he's taking on a German woman. No, my friends, he is not. I believe he might be a Filipino if I recall. Uh, then uh, off and on over, I've uh, got a Showtime card. Uh, on that card, you're going to have the hard-punching Edwin De Los Santos against Joseph Adorno. Adorno, uh, when he decides to let his hands go, is a pretty fun little fighter. Uh, he just doesn't do it enough. If he does, this could be a good uh, lightweight battle. Adorno also, beat Shakur Stevenson twice as an amateur. He was actually a very good amateur. Yeah. He's, uh, he's he's better than uh, his pro record has made him out to I be, agree. that's for yeah. sure. Yoalvis uh, Gomez taking on Marquise Taylor over 10 rounds at middleweight. Could be a decent one there. Um, and then a fight where I think the underdog is a little bit more live than people might be giving him credit for. Jerome Ennis taking on Roman Villa uh, over 12 rounds for Ennis's interim IBF title. Uh, I just think uh, Villa, tough, tough son of a bitch. Uh, Ennis has now faced a guy who was able to keep away from him for 12 rounds. Uh, Via, I don't know if he can take his punch, but Andy, I think if Via can take Ennis's punch, he is going to be in front of him swinging away for all 12 rounds if it goes that long. Could be an interesting night. Could be interesting, mate, but it could also just come down to the, the class levels at the end of the day. I mean, Boots is, is, is absolutely massive for that weight. I don't know what you say, about 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, I think V is a little bit shorter, actually. Has got a, a bit of a dig about him, to be fair, but again, it's been, a, it's been a levels that we've not seen, basically. We're getting root for Venezuela, Panama type of thing and that, so... I try to remember if I've seen the Reced Ellis fight, to be fair. Was that... Um, what undercard was that on again? Was that on the, one of the... Javonte Davis is on the cards. I can't remember much if I've seen him. Yeah, it was on the Hector Luis Garcia on the card. Aye. 
Um, so I, I don't know, mate. To be fair, I, I, I think he, he will probably put up stiff resistance. I think he'll probably take Ennis a few rounds. Um, but I, I would be expecting Ennis, you know, because I'm hiring him. But I'd be expecting him to basically be stopping him late in the stretch. But I just don't know enough about this guy in that end of the day. To be fair, as to how how strong he is, but um, just need to he see beat the, the aforementioned Boca Chica. Did he? Eight round decision, I see here. So yeah, I just need to see how he goes, mate. I'll I'll try and see if I can get this. See, this is showtime. I don't know if I'll get a, a link where I'm going to be actually. So I'm going to see this next week, but um, I'm going to go with boots by late decision. Sorry, late stoppage. Sorry, late decision. Fuck's sake, late stoppage. One a.m. Now they'll probably be coming on about five thirty your time. That'll be rough. <laughs> Wouldn't be staying up for that one. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, Steve. This is definitely a decent fight on here. Glad that Via is getting another opportunity, uh, taking out two uh, consecutive undefeated fighters in Boca Chica and Speedy Rashidi Ellis. Last one in a majority decision. That um, I I think I remember thinking that one was wider in his favor than the cards might have said. But I could have been incorrect on that one, Steve. But anyhow, this is an interesting fight. Uh, his only defeat was by a split decision, and that was a handful of years ago. So. Uh, uh, we'll see what he can do here. I think uh, we might have been a little too high on Boots too early. We might have asked a little too little of him before we uh, gave him our uh, wholehearted endorsement. We might very well have done. Uh, styles make fights uh, is a phrase I've just come up with there. I think I might stick with that one. I uh, would definitely keep on that one right there. Yeah. Trademark it, double stamp that yeah. one, Steve. I'm happy with that one, to be honest. But... The point being, uh, Boots, we were high on him. He was on the same undercard as Villa last time. I thought Villa was going to be one of these guys had a lot of knockout wins in Colombia, Venezuela, wherever it was. Comes in, gets beaten up easily by Rashidi, who looked really good for the first five or six rounds, landing a lot of shots. Um, he was looking, as his nickname suggests, quite speedy. But Villa just kept on coming, kept on coming. Ellis powered down, started going to the ropes more often. And Villa just overworked him, used his power, his persistence, his resilience. Looked very, very good. Now, I wonder, against Boots, who also was on that undercard fighting against Karen, very uh, negative approach from that Karen Chukadzian, running a lot, offered very little, landed quite a few shots on Boots, made him look a bit ordinary. But as I said earlier, styles make fights. And I wonder that if Boots can land the same kind of shots early on in this fight that Rashidi Ellis landed against a fighter who's going to be coming forward, looking to land bombs straight there in front of him, he might have the class, as Andy suggested, the power, the speed, the skill to get rid of Via. So I actually think that, funnily enough, this might be a lot more pleasing on the eye than the Karen fight. And Via's going to come forward like he did against Ellis, but walk onto something and Boots won't let him off the hook. So I'm wondering about round seven or eight or something. He's maybe took a few shots, been dropped a couple of times, carries on coming forward like an absolute warrior and just gets knocked out by Ennis. I think that the class will show. And if Ellis Ellis could land the shots, then Ennis can land those same shots and get rid of him. So I'm going for boots in about round seven to knock him out. Yeah, it probably will be the way to go, but we shall see on that one. Uh, I don't know if, uh, Rob, if you have any opinion contrary to what has already been said, give you your chance. No, I think it's it's a good matchmaking for, for Jaron Ennis. He needs a fight to look good in to kind of build the public clamor around him getting a shot at the what's going to be the undisputed uh, 47 title once the landscape clears with Bud and, Cro- and uh, Spence. I think we're going to get to see that fight twice. Something tells me that it's going to be a, a, a kind of a, 
automatic rematch, so the landscape would be held up even more. Could have a and dirty draw. Possibly. Why not? Like something something shit is gonna to happen to ruin it anyway. That's fucking that's boxing, isn't it? Like, but I think Ennis has been kind of waiting in the wings, bit of a boogeyman. No one wants to fight him. He's not gonna get a big money fight against one of the upcoming prospects because why fight boots Ennis? Like you're ninety-nine times out of a hundred by the looks of his resume so far and his performance is gonna get beat. And he's not bringing anything to the table as a major star yet. Like everyone in boxing knows how good he is. I don't think the man in the street knows he is. Unfortunately, your commercial value plays a big factor these days into where you end up. So um I think Ennis will get the stoppage. I think he'll look really good doing it. Um and I think he's just below the level of Spencer and Crawford, but he's very good. It remains to be seen how good he is because we haven't seen him really fight anyone yet. But in the fights that he's had, he's looked um by maybe one or two performances on TV. He looked pretty solid each time. He's a good fighter. Looks scary. Looks like he could maybe go up to 54 in time as well. So plenty of big fights for him to get involved in, but he needs to start looking good and have people talking about getting his profile up. Yeah, he, he is certainly a fucking tank at welterweight. Very, very big at the weight for sure. Um, Matty, can I just have a quick word, a very quick word on the two supporting fights, if you don't mind? You sure can, Steve. Absolutely. I think this is a good three-fight header from Showtime. Hopefully now uh, Juan Ennis has got his <clears throat> excuse me, promotional and matchmaking issues sorted out and they're going to take a, a real punt on him because I was led to believe that that was the problem, why they hadn't gone all in because he had signed with about three or four different promoters at various stages. But hopefully they've got that sorted out now. Anyway, on to the other two fights. Edwin De Los Santos, as you mentioned, only lost to William Foster. That was on, I think, one of those showbox cards, which I'm constantly referencing all the time. He shot his load earlier against Foster and then he sort of faded down the stretch. But he knocked out Rayo Valenzuela, who we saw recently getting a bit of an unjust uh, loss to Chris Colbert. So he's definitely a live wire in this one against the door. Now he's very skilled, um, lost to Elvis Rodriguez last time I saw him. Uh, Yo Elvis Gomez is someone I've mentioned on this pod before, who um, he sort of subverts the whole Cuban ethos. He's 6-0 with five knockouts, comes out throwing a lot of hard, heavy shots, more the David Morrell camp than the Arislandi Lara camp. He's indisciplined Gomez. Um, he's at middleweight now. He's weighed in as high as 165 pounds. He's a classic Cuban, exciting, talented, former good amateur, loving the lifestyle. I think he's in Florida where he's based, drinking, blowing up in weight all the time. If he can keep himself disciplined, he's going to be a very good addition to 154, if he can. If not, he's going to end up as a nest Odlania Solis. Be hard down in Florida, though. <laughs> Sorry, you know what I mean? Hard. <laughs> I know it's a well it's a well trod it's a well swam path, but he seems to be going down that route at the moment. If the PBC can hopefully keep him on the straight and narrow, don't know much about this Marquis Taylor. I know he's gone the distance against decent guys at a couple of draws. I feel like I saw him on Showbox a couple of times. Is it the Kroll fight, maybe? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know what he's going to offer, but Gomez has the potential if he can just stay keep the weight down. Point being, sorry, Matty. Three good fights again. Praise be to Uncle Al. Yeah, and I think uh, William Foster the Third is going to be headlining uh, Pro Box Card a week from Friday. I, yeah. I is he one maybe. of the Foster brothers? I know Charles we saw recently fighting against somebody on Showbox, and then there's Oshaki. Uh, maybe I is he some kind of relation as well, William? I think, I think you very well, very mm. well might be right. Let's just say he is, shall we? Let's just say he yeah, is. yeah. Whatever. We'll, we'll be those people and say, yeah, they're black. Their last name's the same. Probably. <laughs> probably related. Um, we'll be those guys, at least for today. At least for today. Um, but that one is, uh, that, that that's a decent card. So uh, I'll be uh, uh, hanging on to that one. 
but I'm going to be focusing on what's happening in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, we'll start with what's on the undercard over there. Uh, going to have Eric Tudor against uh, Reggie Harris Jr. at 154 pounds. Uh, Floyd Schofield, uh, he's, he's quite the prospect, taking on Haskell Rhodes at 135. Jojo Diaz trying to get his shit together, taking on Jerry Perez at lightweight over 10 rounds. Uh, and then you're going to have a women's uh, light, uh, flyweight title uh, unification fight between Marlon Esparza and Gabriela Celeste Elanes. Uh, of course, going to be uh, contested over 10 twos. We'll get to the main event in a second. If we can avoid speaking about it, that'd be wonderful. Uh, Andy, uh, anything on that uh, undercard that uh, that strikes your fancy? I got to say, I, I'm not too uh, aware of the opponents on that one, but I am excited to see Floyd Schofield. I think he is a talented fighter uh, with a little bit of upside to him. Uh, zero of interest on that undercard, mate, to be fair. Okay, then. Schofield has a very marketable name, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. Same doing big things on Schofield the side. Schofield could be in trouble Definitely. if he doesn't watch himself in this one, I think. Schofield's the one that sticks a Pringles chip on his tadger. Uh, yeah, he's, he's in good company with Jojo Diaz, I suppose. Aye. <laughs> Steve, do you have anything on this undercard yes, that you care about, actually? I do, actually. Uh, Eric Tudor, 8 0, 6 knockouts, 21 years of age. I saw him in the last Golden Boy card against Demon. Kato Kane, who came to fight. Uh, Tudor looked very well, uh, very mature, used his jab, bit of a prospect, as is Floyd Schofield, as you mentioned, 14-0 with 11 knockouts, only 20 as well. Already got a win over Alberto Mercado, which is pretty decent form. Haskell Rhodes usually gets beaten when he steps up, seen him before against Omar Douglas, and during the lockdown, he fought against Jason Souza, I think it was, so he should get beaten by Schofield. Uh, Jojo, Talented fighter, can never really put it together. Jerry Perez, he actually fought, he was unbeaten when he fought against Frank Martin in the Battle of the Prospects and got knocked out. He's also got beaten by uh, Michel Rivera since then as well. So Who fought each fair. other. Who fought each other, exactly. Decent enough fair. Eric Tudor, Floyd Schofield, two very good prospects. Golden Boy, still doing a job. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I'm not super worried about Golden Boy, I mean, other than Oscar. Um, because I, I do think that they have some decent prospects coming up, and Oscar has mm -hmm. more balls when it comes to putting his prospects in against each other. Uh, that's 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 one thing where I think the Mexican spirit carries. Like it's like you fucking pussies make the fights. Um, but anyways, uh, good on you, Oscar. If that's what we get, Still put his balls in anywhere. <laughs> all all of all of. God, that's, that's going to be an odd uh, follow-up here. Uh, all of that, just an appetizer uh, for the main event, uh, which I am very, very excited for. We have Amanius White Cortez Danionis taking on Virgil Ortiz over 12 rounds for the WBA quote-unquote regular 147-pound title. Uh, this I was opining to the uh, the nutters today, Rob, that this is probably like the most excited that I have been for a fight between two up-and-comers, be whatever it is with their title, ambitions, if they hold one, don't, not, whatever, that I have been. This is the most excited I have been since Matisse against Garcia. Um, that's, fight, how, that's how I feel about this fight. I, I think this is, and it, it could end up being one-sided or whatever, but on paper, what a fight this looks to be, Rob. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. It's actually bringing me back to 
because they're so few and far between. I could remember me bad predictions, uh, but I actually thought Matisse was going to smash Danny Garcia into bits. Thought he was going to absolutely fucking leave him road off, um, but it didn't play out like that at all. Danny Garcia actually boxed the fucking ears off Matisse that night, and nearly got the stoppage at the end, as far as I remember. Um, I'm gonna go. I don't know. It's a tight fight. I think I could see a style for both of them to win, and I could see an angle for both of them to win. But if I had to put a gun to my head, I think I don't know about that. I think Ortiz just has the slight edge, but um, I wouldn't rule out Stanionis kind of establishing a rhythm over the kind of first six on the jab and maybe taking it to him down the stretch. But I'd say I'm going to just edge with with Ortiz just being the having a little bit more. Um, maybe something one fifteen, one thirteen, something like this. You know, I um, I can see where you're going on that one, uh, Andy. What I would hesitate on with that is the health issues that Ortiz has had. Yes, they both had it. Uh, Stan Jonas had his appendix out, I do believe, but Ortiz having fucking twelve. Uh, I've had my appendix out. Having that rhabdo thing going on, where your body is is eating itself, and and uh, it, not good, not good at all. And I do worry about his his physical health comparatively coming into this. Um, also mentions of long COVID, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and the odds on this fight are surprisingly wide uh, in favor of Ortiz. I, I'm just surprised by that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I do think this is a depleted Virgil Ortiz that we're going to see in the ring. Interesting, actually, because again, I've been thinking along the same lines. Obviously, you're standing on us coming off that surgery that he needed. I think he needed some operation. He had Ortiz with the was it appendicitis that standing on his had? Sorry, is that what it was? Jaw. I can't remember. Was it a jaw? Those were some of them with the yes. appendicitis. No, it was appendicitis. I was saying and, yes, like if I can, some Scandinavian fuck. All right. Uh, Ortiz, I agree with you. I mean, you just don't know what that's the, that health situation is going to take out of him. He does seem to be kind of slightly struggling with the weight. Um, so, again, it's one of these ones you kind of have to maybe just wait to see how he turns up on, on fight night. I mean, he's been in the ring now for the best part of what? Almost, almost a year now, actually. So, no ideal. No ideal. And standing on us, again, I mean, we saw what we had to deal with against Butayev. He's been in the ring for for an equal amount of time. He had to kind of like walk through the fire against Butayev. I mean, that's, that, guy's a, that guy is, is, is ticked off and he's managed to kind of pop out a decision against that guy. I don't think he'll be phased much. I think if he rides out Ortiz's early storm, which he probably, if, if Ortiz feels like he's landed some heavy shots, he's, he's going to try and step in on you. And I don't, I don't think he can afford that standing on I think he's going to keep that jab moving all night long, bust up his face. And I personally do think that standing on could win this fight, to be fair. He's just got to kind of keep it textbook, do what he does best. And just let's see how Ortiz kind of starts, if he starts to fade in the stretch, then you maybe want to pick it up a little bit. But certainly just, just keep his rhythm going and just see how Ortiz is actually actually looking. But certainly it's one of these fights you need to see how Ortiz is going to look on the scales. Does he make the weight? If he does make the weight, how how, how much is it taken out of him, basically? And plus, we're coming into fight week. Just hold your horses and hopefully this fight does make make it through at the end because uh, hopefully he doesn't get ill during trying to make the weight. We've, heard, we've seen this happen before with some fighters. They get, they get ill... A few a few hours before the weigh in, they get pulled from the card all together. So hopefully he's he's uh, again more depleted. I'm still not. I, I still can't convince myself that it's going to happen. I'm like, what bullshit's going to happen in the next fucking six days? What's going to happen? 
It happens, and it can happen. But as I say, if he's if he's he knew about the point now, where he's he's going to be start cutting the weight if he's if he's if he's if he is already on the weight, which I don't think he will be. He need to cut a few more pounds yet, so he probably start like this week, and that's when he could maybe hit the wall. We just don't know. We saw who was it last week, Franco. You know, I forget was it six pounds. He was overweight. I mean, it looked like he never even tried to make the weight. He's just since retired, but that's that's irrelevant. But again, it's just one of these ones. You just need to wait to see how it is on the night. I think because Ortiz, again, it's, it's two question marks for me. The weight and the the illness. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to, uh, to to bank on him being healthy. Uh, but you know, even even if he is healthy. Um, I watched the Butaev uh, fight uh, before we came on here. Um, Butaev, not totally dissimilar from Ortiz. Yes, he's slower, wider feet, so he's not as mobile, etc. But he does whip his shots in in a particular way, and he, he goes to the body well. Um, and Stan Jonas did so much good in that fight. Obviously, the jab. We could we could talk about his jab from from here till next October, and it's it's a worthy conversation. It's it's fantastic. But he also went to the body well. He responded every time that Butaev came after him and and landed a good shot. Uh, he uh, went upstairs. He went down. Uh, just uh, there's so much more to this guy than his jab. He's a very clever fighter who who made a lot of subtle changes throughout that fight uh, in order to pull out a win that was well deserved. Uh, the one mistake that I see that he did that I think Ortiz could take advantage of is sometimes when he gets low, he comes out of that crouch swinging a lot like how Timothy Bradley did against Ruslan Provodnikov, and I. Couldn't I wouldn't be entirely shocked if Ortiz picks him off with a hard left hook. But Steve, I, I, I think that if people are just looking at the size differential and the, the different physical abilities of Ortiz is why this fight goes his direction. I think they might be ringing the, going the wrong way because with Stan Jonas, you have a real thinking fighter who he throws a good number of punches uh, and uh, the, the tools that he has are, are, are incredible. And I don't think the speed differential is that big. Hmm. Well, I am thinking along the same lines as you boys, as it happened. Um, I would have fancied Ortiz a lot stronger if he hadn't been having these health issues. And I think it's a pretty tough one to pick. I do like a lot of what Stan Yonis does. And I think the fact, if you look at the purse bids as well, which is obviously something everyone's looking at here and all they're interested in, it shows what a good fight it is. Golden Boy bidding... 2.3 million. TGB, which is the PBC, Stanionis's promoters, a very close second at 2.1 million. So they both really valued the fight, and Oscar definitely wanted to get home advantage for this and have it on his side of the street. But it just shows for it's the, effectively the secondary WBA welterweight title they're fighting for. We all know who holds the, the main one. But these are two world class fighters. I think Ortiz is a little bit more versatile. They both have excellent jabs. Stanionis's jab is, you know, world class. I think Virgil's jab is world class too. Um, I just think that Virgil has those extra athletic abilities. Again, if the health issues aren't playing on him, uh, he's a good finisher. If he hurts Stanionis, it could it could be finished very quickly. Stanionis, uh, very hittable at times. I think he can bust up against Butaev, like you say, he did a very good job. But Butaev isn't as fast and as versatile and as, as athletic, I don't think, as Virgil Ortiz. So I think that'll be the difference. Both if he gets stuck on the end of the jab, Ortiz is going to be in for a tough night, but I think he's a bit cleverer than that. And he can punch too. And all of a sudden, he might have Stanionis in trouble because he can be hit. 
So I would favour Ortiz on points, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if he maybe got rid of him at the end of the fight. But that's not me saying that's Danny Onis' shit. It's just that it's that type of fight, he could suddenly be on the hook. And once Virgil Ortiz gets you on the hook, he can finish you very quickly. But if it's um, a jab for jab and Ortiz steps off him, that's Danny Onis' territory and very easily he could rack up a few rounds in a row very quickly. You're on the mute, Marty. Sorry. Yes, I was. God damn it. Um, so, in, in effect on that, Steve, something I noticed watching that fight, and the jab, as much as I wanted to talk about other things, because I want to make it a one, uh, just a one-issue uh, discussion, but I think Ortiz is just a bit static, and he relies on high gloves for his defense. Uh, I I think that... Stan Jonas could definitely thread those gloves and 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 really maintain the distance of the fight. Uh, so I'm just, I, I hope I'm not just trying to talk myself into it because I, I like Stan Jonas because I like Ortiz a lot too. Super high on them. Uh, they're they're both you know I, the fact that this is a title fight's weird with the title locked up. I mean effectively I think this would be a fight between two great prospects. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to it and and we'll see what happens. Um, Ortiz has a good job himself. He might surprise us. It is um, two contender prospects, effectively. That's what world titles have done to us now. This is two contender prospects fighting for a chance to fight for a major world title. You have to have a couple of world titles now to be true world-class in Wellington's opinion. But you are right. There's that many floating about now. What you say is correct. Yeah, it's this is basically just a title eliminator at the end of the day, but a, a hell of a title eliminator. Yeah. Um, Rob, uh, any last thoughts on this one? Anything sway you after you got your first word in? No, I think it's. I think it's like Steve said. It's going to be battle of the jabs, and I agree with him. I just think Ortiz has a little bit more than Danny Onus, and the two of these. It might be for a fringe belt or whatever, but the two of these know it's kind of a long road back for the other one. Like, um, it's the other one's going to have to go and fucking work their way back up, where the winners putting themselves right in the frame for you know more trinkets, more big paydays putting themselves in the mix for the winner of uh, Spence and Crawford or whoever, whatever the landscape is going to be after. So say one of them moves, one of them or both of them move up to 54. Um, Ortiz, it's between Ortiz and Boots Ennis really um, to say who's the main man. Stanley Onus is going to have something to say about it. So I think the fight's going to deliver. Um, and I think they're both going to know what's at stake. So you're going to get the best version of both. And I think... If we get the best version of both, Ortiz just has the slight edge. It's a fight that I'm looking forward to, and uh, I don't know if you guys are staying up for this one or uh, if you guys will be catching it the next morning, but I know some of the nutters are stoked. They're they're trying to either wake up or keep, uh, keep awake for it. So uh, hopefully there's some good undercard fights. Uh, to keep everything going on. I think a lot of one. them. I think I don't think many of them have problems staying awake at the weekend. To be honest with you, <laughs> they're fine. Yeah, really, an alarm clock or anything, they'll be okay. The audacity of them for uh, for cussing out <laughs> others for performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> um, 
but uh, anyway, great bunch of lads. Great bunch of lads. Uh, great bunch of lads. Their, uh, their uh, recreational habits notwithstanding. Uh, but anyways, uh, pretty decent week of boxing. There's some good stuff coming up the week after. Uh, we're not exactly dead right now. Uh, it could be some upsets in the near future. Uh, but uh, it's uh, been a good discussion. But I'm going to hand it over to Steve for the value of the week. Thank you very much, Matty. It is. Uh, it has been a good discussion, and I am looking forward to next weekend's action. Uh, we got Rob here. We have Matty here, Andy, and me, Steve. Episode five two nine of the Bellu of the Week. Playing or seeing it this weekend? I can't remember who cut this and sent it to me. I think it was Ted Barrett actually. Shout out to Ted. It's Porky over on his channel. Not much uh, Porky seen or heard of these days, but he's been uh, keeping up to date with the current affairs anyway, and uh, what's going on over in Europe. What's currency called over there? Dutch marks, is it, or, some, or whatever? No, it's euros, mate. Euros, is it? Yeah. Do, do you think we'll be like that soon? No, we've come out of Europe, haven't we? Have we? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Riveting. <laughs> That's what makes foreign secretary there, by the way. <laughs> no, no, we don't want any of your Deutsche markies. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Ross. Boxing. Finger on the pulse there. As he's too into the boxing. He doesn't know what the fuck is going on in the outside world. He's just obsessed with boxing. Can't tell you what the fucking currency is in Germany, but he knows all about fucking. What's his name? What's his arch nemesis again? Steffi Paul. I think he voted Lever Stay and was he passionate about the topic? <laughs> I don't think he cares, to be honest. He's, he's more interested in Steffi Ball, as Rob says. Yeah, shout out to Porky. You can't laugh at someone else. Who can you laugh at? Let's move on to the Bellew of the Weeks here. Uh, the lesser spotted Tony Bellew getting a nomination here. Bellew says to IFL, whenever I do look at the comments on my interviews, it's all, you're never going to see me again. Well, you are going to fucking see me again because I'm in the business of earning. So fuck you. Fuck your opinion. Bellew is going to do what Bellew fucking wants. <laughs> and Bellew is going to talk about himself in the third person when you like it or not. Yeah, <laughs> he's in the business of earning. <laughs> earning and burning, that. baby. Bunsen burner, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, fuck him, Bellew. You're right, fuck him. How is he talking about coming... for fucking six years for, for all your talk... public appearances? Isn't he talking about coming back to fight that uh, Bridgerweight fucker from Poland? Oh, uh, that's uh, Babbage yeah. beat or mm, Babbage lost to. Fuck you, Matt. He's coming back in them, by the way. Bellew's going to do what Bellew fucking wants. I think I think you'll find, Matty, he talks about a lot of things. Bellew's going to fucking do what Bellew fucking wants, mate. Well, I'll tell you one thing he's going to do, Rob, is this. Go to Karen's Diner. Tony Bellew and Dave Caldwell visit the country's rudest restaurant on Matthew Boxing TV. Wouldn't That's mind having an afternoon shift that day, actually, right away when the boys roll in. <laughs> the, That's the, in life, so the video of Eddie Hall going there is fucking class. Absolute I'd class. Got, I'd have got fired from the job because the minute Caldwell come in, I would have been putting fucking Nelly's hat in here on the fucking jukebox <laughs> over and over. Just see how uncomfortable it gets. Get Dave on the deep part for you. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Young says, you know, when someone dies, you tend to talk about them quite a bit. I hope the reverse happens in this case. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I tell you what, hopefully they, they, hopefully they don't have a wait for Tony Bellew by when they put the coffin in the front room. Because I would, I would walk in my bottle of whiskey and plant it right on top of it, saying it was the fucking first drink I've ever had with fucking Tony Bellew. We're not going to outlive Tony, Andy, are we? Let's be honest. <laughs> Who knows, mate? Not if he has anything to say about it. <laughs> yeah, if he gets old of us, we might not. <laughs> you heard Tony the other week saying he's got, he's, he's got, he's got CTE. That's what he said, was it not? Oh, did he, I know what? I've got it, mates. I've got CTA, mates. <laughs> Karen looks a charmer, says Andrew Thickett. She be, might be on one of the zone undercards coming soon, Andy, yeah? Um, women's title fight? Uh, she, I mean, she tackled Cruz as Erna, baby. She's... That's actually live footage of uh, the woman who's taking Big John Fisher's order from the fucking Chinese on a Friday night. That's what she's like when she's taking it. Yeah, fuck off. Look at you. Big John. Oh, dear. Well, maybe she'll fight the goat seen earlier. There Ooh. she is. Looking well, the old goat. Just fitting into that dress nicely. Uh, what is that, a size 12, do you think, that dress? <laughs> Trying to get down to one. 40 pounds. 147. <laughs> 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 oh, shout out to the goat. We love a bit of goat. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya is going back in on Eddie. He says, at Eddie Hearn, blowing a shitload of other people's money and showing shit for it is ludicrous. You think you can just come here and poach our fighters? Who have you built? You're a joke. Go back promoting darts, at least. Leonard Ellaby and Bob Arum know what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) This is early 2000s Oscar. (laughs) He's fucking flying at Eddie, isn't he? What the fuck? We'll just all leave Eddie alone. Fuck, leave him alone. Ganging up on him with Bob Arum and Leonard Ellaby. (laughs) Talking about Eddie, by the way. I see you, Sky Nicholson, joining another match from away day again. She always turns up for the away days. Loyalty, Andy. It's called loyalty. She's only, yeah, but she always seems to be the only female commentator that they've got over in the zone, you know? How's that all of a sudden? What's going on there? She's following the Bellew blueprint. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> she do what she fucking wants, mates. <laughs> uh, I mentioned... She commentates more than she fights these days. Uh, like, <laughs> exactly. I was mentioning Andy in the Nutters chat during the week. Uh, underneath the Oscar De La Hoya comments, you have a load of the sort of macho fanboys sliding in, oh. and one of them said, shut up, Oscar, stop trying to use Eddie's name for clout. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya. Eddie Hearn wakes up wishing he was fucking Oscar De La Hoya, man, back in his prime days. I said, I know he's a washed-up cokehead and all now, but flip me, man. You're talking one of the biggest stars in the sport, like gold medalist and everything. Fucking man. hell, man. I, there's so many fucking walk in the pro day Shout out to Oscar. We love a bit of Oscar here. Oh, here we are, Andy. A justice for you uh, for Mavis Gates last week. Apparently, it wasn't Mavis. It it was Ivy Brennan. Actress Lynn Perry caused scandal when she was called on the show to judge a sexy underwear competition. She was shown pulling down a stripper's thong and proceeding to lick the end of his revealed penis. So there you go. Yeah, it's romancing the board now. I don't really know. I told you. I told you. Was it Mavis or maybe Mavis in the wrong? Or no, it was, I- it was Ivy Brennan, Ivy. apparently, someone. Ivy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mavis. Sorry, Mavis. I've, just, I've left her with a name. Disrepute? Disrepute. I'm sorry, It's kind of better when it was Mavis, actually. Just leave it as it was. It was Mavis. It was Mavis. It was Mavis. Uh, Errol Spence has been going in on Rolly Romero. Uh, Errol Spence on Rolly Romero calling him out. He's a nut. He almost lost to that old man, Barroso. He needs to rematch him. The ref really helped him out. That old man was on his ass. I was like, he's going to lose to somebody's grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> he loves Spence, man. He's brilliant, isn't he? 
Ah, he's, he's, he's actually low-key shithouser, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's called, called Vanu. Someone was saying he's slurring a lot these days, but I think, I think he sounded like that since his pro debut, hasn't he? I think that was just, he was slurring on the way out of the nightclub, I think. Nice when he went to take the, take the wheel. Uh, he said uh, they had some good trash talk between the two of them, actually, Bud and Spence. He said, uh, I'm Jamaican, man. We smoking on Bud at the press conference. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, you try to say that uh, Spence is uh, from uh, Kingston? Tommy, you were He's from... fighting every month before you fought Joe Frazier in Kingston, Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> Get up, stand up. <laughs> Did you see a Matty last night running after the groat at ringside? She was screaming, and the guard was following her with a with a microphone. And then she was scream- I, screaming even louder. I didn't see that, but I absolutely can accept that that's reality. <laughs> none, none, was, none, and that sounds fake to me at all. <laughs> he was following her, and he was like, "Who's your favorite?" Supercat or Shabarangs? <laughs> <laughs> he says, look at Franchon's legs. Hasn't she got powerful legs? <laughs> oh, she Did get her you talk? shower? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, we'll have a bit of a guard. Right, let's move on swiftly. Uh, Josh Taylor's been going in on Sam Jones. He says, just laughing at your tweets. I've only lost to one of the best fighters on the planet. You, on the other hand, are what you get when you order Eddie Hearn from Wish. Council garbage, a fraud. I've forgotten more about boxing than you'll ever know. Blagged your way for, to nowhere. Again, Josh leaving him without a name. Listen, I know that was a response to a Jack Cattrall tweet, which folk were kind of like taking umbrage to. But when he's named the Sam Jones, I, I've got no issues and this should anybody else. So fucking get at him, Josh. Everyone's cra- cracking up underneath. They're like, oh, you're going too far, man. What do, you, what do you mean, council garbage? He's like, I'm council as well, but I worked for everything I got. Not like this fucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true, actually. I mean, he fucking he came on this podcast and said that himself. He fucking blagged his way into the sport. Fucking hell. He's Taylor fucking Henning's position. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Big John Fisher. Everyone loves a bit of John Fisher, the Bosch father, Thursday the 13th of July. So here we are, Andy. If you pay for the XL VIP Bosch package, £30 per person, right? So this is what the itinerary. So 6pm arrival time. Opportunity to meet John, the Bosch father, Fisher. A professional printed photograph taken with you and John to take home. Live on stage interview with John. Question and answer session for your chance to ask John a question. Platinum level seating. Reserved for XL VIP Boschers. Bespoke memorabilia auction, complimentary entry to our fantastic raffle, exclusive prizes to be won. It's a whole lot of fun. £30 on it. What, what sucks <laughs> is they always have room for one less person than they should. <laughs> Get on down there. Who is fucking buying that ticket? Like, I want to know. Fucking come forward and show yourself if you're fucking paid twenty pounds to go and see Big John Fisher. You know what? You know what, I'd ra- you know what? I'd, I, I would rather lick the fucking baked bean skin off Shane McGowan's teeth than watch this man or fucking go to this shit or pay thirty pounds to that man. You kidding me, mate? <laughs> that's a fucking that's a joke. Everyone knows Shane McGowan doesn't have teeth. <laughs> but come on, who's going to pay thirty quid to ask? John Fisher, I can ask John Fisher a question for fuck all on Twitter, man. They respond to it by saying I was buy this for our friend Oz. Actually, anyone who wants to jump, jump, chip in on the super chats, we get Ozzy a ticket for this because I know he'd love to go to this as he would like oh, uh, and ask a few uh, questions himself. Fucking bash. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we should do that for Ozzy. So I, I, I think, I think like Ozzy's question will go along these lines. And so, so John, just talk to us about your weight. It's just there's no need for it, isn't it? <laughs> 
Your Chinese order, John. It's an absolute disgrace. (laughs) (laughs) You fat bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. Ben. Well, the ocean <laughs> called, and they're running out of prawns. <laughs> He's not got that bad. Uh, Side, Seinfeld, sorry, Seinfeld call back. No, we got it, it, we got it. Okay. Uh, Connor Ben has now proved his innocence following his failed drugs test last year oh. with his new team now in talks with UCAD. Um, Ryan Deal's been all over this one. It's just Coogie Bear, by the way. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing the Lord's work, isn't he, Rob? Oh, that is fucking brilliant, man. Dr. <laughs> Dr. Nick, amazing. Probably more believable than the fucking bullshit that he's been trying to spin since he got fucking popped, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It isn't my old friend, Mr. McGregor, with a leg for an arm and an arm for a leg. Ah, oh, shout out to Connor. We love him. He has your man Gil doing public relations, you know him? <laughs> the bad salesman. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Connor wasn't wearing a tie at all. ESPN <laughs> 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 uh, getting nominated by me. Um, turning the Russians into these different nationalities all the time. Mahmoudov, the Canadian destroyer, Andy. Fucking <laughs> oh, <laughs> It's, uh, it's like the Irish a wee bit, actually. They would claim anything. <laughs> You're not allowed to be Russian anymore, Andy. It's it's not socially acceptable. Oh, We're going to claim him as well. Arslan back is his name. We're having him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's like it's like the shit. The is it, is it Bivol that are going to like fight for the WBC? Oh, Bivol, Baturbiev's Canadian. It's and all just there, yeah. fucking <laughs> hammering him. It's worse, man. I swear to fucking God, it really is. Uh, yeah, uh, final one. Ricky Graville, shout out to him, uh, sent this to me. Amir Khan, uh, <laughs> he's talking about hoes sending nude photos of themselves to him, then asking for 20k, otherwise they blackmail you. All for clout. When I've got a wife like mine, I don't need to look twice at a rat. Amir's got caught in. <laughs> Amir. Amir, <laughs> man. <laughs> Just... That sounded so much better in his head when he was typing that, eh? Amir, man. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure Amir he's having innocent. He's innocent. I like the fucking, you know, got caught fucking having one on Skype, didn't he? Like, and then didn't he, didn't he proposition you one of the valleys for a threesome for like three hundred pound or something? <laughs> she sold her story all for clout. What was he thinking? Um, I mean, fucking, this is it, man. But didn't he? Wasn't he throwing the wife under this, saying that the wife was Anthony Josh before? Seems like oh, a very aye. stable relationship, anyway. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Aye. It was a. Uh... I was it was that a tweet he put out about that. Eh? Something about Joshua. Yeah, he said his wife is a gold digger, and she's only interested in that Joshua or something like oh, that. And then he was like, fuck. "Back together, but sure, Lucas. We all have our problems, man. Fuck me." No, I know. <laughs> Just need to hear it in public, though. Oh, exactly. We wish him well. Right, that's all the ones I've got this week, boys. Uh, any from you, Andy? Uh, not much, mate, but I have got one for Frank Warren. I don't know if anybody's seen his mm-hmm. IFL interview. It was, uh, oh, it was, it was elite times, man. He was, on, he was in top form, like uh, just some of the shit he was coming away. With. It, was, it was absolutely brilliant. Left Johnny and Elson without a name. Um, what else has he got? Um, who else did he have a got? Froch stripped him down within thirty seconds. Um, just absolutely destroyed them. One for AB. Uh, I don't know if anybody caught it in that, but so, he ended up in some sort of podcast. 
Oh, the week. And he was—it did disappear. That, but obviously, the internet doesn't forget. Someone managed to snip it, and they've put a three, two and a half minute clip up. Man, he's—he's absolutely smashed. Absolutely raced out. He's not man. So. They didn't yeah, do him any favours, to be fair, and that, like, they'd be fucking... What were they thinking, man? Well, I, t- I tell see, you what... You see like, the guy like that, and you fucking go and film him. It was, ver- it was very, very, very disturbing watch. Like, I know Andy's catchphrase is about something fucked out looking for a handout, but I think the most obvious thing... And Broner's gone into this in detail before, like, and he talks about people not being with him and all that, like, but he really fucking, for all the money he has and all the money he's made and all the hangers on, he really realizes, like, that nobody's with him, like, and he's fucking, you know, they're letting him, they're hanging out with him because they're benefiting from getting into the club free and they're getting their bottles tabled and they're fucking, but when Broner's fucking face down, they're all gone home, like, you know what I mean? Mm. He, the guy has major, major problems. Um, he clearly doesn't know how to manage money. He's had multiple opportunities. He looked like he was getting himself back in shape, you know, having a second go of it. And then, like, just to see him in this state, it's fucking sad, man. See, any fighter like that, like, when they lose their mind and they're fucking, you know, we laugh and joke and we rag on Broner. I mean, even last week I was saying who's going to live longer, Broner or Don King. Like, you know, we like a good joke and all that. But when you see a fighter like that in that state, it's it was fucking pretty disturbing. Like, um, But I think he's going to be okay because he just put up on Instagram um, – I identify as a woman and I want to fight Alicia Baumgartner next. <laughs> so he's taking a good with the smooth. Do you know what I mean? He's fucking, things are looking up. Oh my God. Yeah, I, was, I just found one of, one of uh, Warren's comments in that, in that interview. So he was talking, I think Eddie Hearn and Frank Smith are kind of like working out or whatever that is. Uh, they, they two couldn't go two rounds in a revolving door. Uh, so, <laughs> that was a I think he says something about Johnny Nelson's fights, like being like, says they were only a little bit worse than watching fucking Lawrence Coley or something like that. You know, dugout frauds, sort of awful. <laughs> it was, it was class. Uh, He's brutal, any fan when he gets going. Oh, when he gets going, maybe he was, he was quite chirpy. He was in, he was in good form. Like I must admit. Um, this last one I'll, I'll put out for the entire boxing community. You know, everybody and anybody who was all fucking chimed in to watch Canelo's next fight against Judd Maul, Charlo, just got fucking 180 and do, told it's actually Jermel Charlo is fucking fighting. The whole division's been put up notice. They're all raging. Tim Zoo's fucking fuming. He's been left like a bridesmaid. We're all fucking left looking like pricks thinking it was Judd Maul. Fucking hell, man. I just didn't even see that one coming, you know, so... I one told you guys only one Charlo was going to fight this year. I fucking told you. No. Yeah. By the so time I... the fight comes around, Jamel will have been out of the ring for 18 months. Well, and how long has the other one have been out of the ring? Well, about three, three it must be near. must be three years. Is it? Two and a half. Uh-huh. What was his last fight? Jason Rosario? Montiel, maybe? wasn't it? Montiel, the one. So, maybe. let me see. Oh, maybe it's not as much as three years. Oh, no. So, sorry. It was June 2021. So he'll so be a, yeah. so it's so if he doesn't fight this year, he'll have been out of the ring for thirty one months at that point. Yeah. That's right. Jesus. And then the other one fought Castagno in the rematch, didn't he in May? So yeah, be a bit. It's it's ridiculous and they're so talented. This is almost like not even value where it's just fucking ridiculous and sad. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous and sad, Andy, anymore for Belly of the Week. No, it's that, mate. On you go. Uh, Matthew, anything from you? Tim, uh, Tim Bradley for <laughs> his uh, ding dong metaphor. <laughs> so I forgot about that one as well. Actually, I... that was a good one. Thank God, or I wouldn't have had anything. The black, the black Teddy Atlas. 
Andre Ward's like, oh, fucking hell, here he goes again. When he's pulling out the little chocolate bar into his pocket. He's like, thank fuck. He's <laughs> packed up his backpack and sent him home, by the way. They're after ditching him off ESPN. That was his last fight last night. <laughs> yeah, which one of those guys didn't keep their job after last night? It's ironic. It's ironic as well. Max Kellerman loved himself about Andre Ward. He gets the bullet alongside them. Fuck. Yeah, oh, dear. We wish them well. Uh, Rob, any from you, please? Yeah, and it pains me to do this because you, everyone, you almost have forgot how much I love Roy Jones. Oh, but, Roy uh, Jones he, the, oh, oh, that yeah, made up. What was that all about? Yeah. He had his fight for $20 pay-per-view in the Metaverse. I'm surprised, Matt, he didn't buy it. He fought a paper, he, put, he fought a, a, a bodybuilder and uh, emphatically stopped him in seven. Uh, Roy clearly hasn't been bodybuilding. You could see his belly even in the metaverse, but basically it looked like they just put like a cheap like graphic over it, almost equivalent like with PlayStation 1 FIFA 98 graphics. Like it wasn't even good graphics. Like it was like looked like some shitty fucking Tron version of boxing. Fucking uh, with some... Nintendo or something like that. Yeah, it was like, it was brutal. It was... It was no better than the fucking computer fight between Ali and Marciano in nineteen fucking sixty fucking four or whatever it was. Like um, robots, just love it. Horrendous fucking and uh, somebody clipped it on Twitter and put it on and was like, "Well, they got me. They got me for twenty bucks. What the fuck is this shit?" It was like. So and the commentators were having a mare as well. They didn't really know what was going on, and then the ref stopped the fight, or he didn't stop it, and they were like, "There's controversy even here in the metaverse." It was, just <laughs> fucking, it, was it was it was horrible. Like Roy, like why are you doing this shit, man? Like stop, like fuck. Why should they make me get paid for that one? Hey, that that yeah. shit. I don't know. Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. The winner fights fucking Ryu or Chun Li. <laughs> yeah, Last week I said that it is entirely possible that Roy Jones is in a coma following the Lebedev fight. This is all just part of his imagination. Yeah. I would like to enter this into evidence. <laughs> next week he's fighting. He's fighting the fucking float head from Futurama. Next week I don't know what the fuck is next. My, that's, pure, that's probably the reason why Roy ended up in the fucking metaverse. Fucking Lebedev put him there. Fucking <laughs> Roy, man, just fucking. If there was again. a metaverse, I wish I could fucking rewind it and just retire him after fucking John Ruiz and let him go down as the greatest of all time instead of having to do this fucking last. 20 20 year dance that we're after having to endure painful like every bit of it fucking hell but they got the win anyway so things are on the up <laughs> break of that losing streak that he's had going back a few years fuck's sake right good stuff that's all the entries from the boys so let's go through them quickly and make our picks before we get out of here so we had porky brexit uh, coming in first of all. Then we had Tony. Let's get rid of Chuck where he's turned up at, at uh, 10.15. Uh, Tony going in on people. He's in the earning business, is Tone, over at Karen's Diner. We had the Groat and a questionable... I'll tell you what, I was screaming at ringside with Jimmy. <laughs> 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 Pretty much. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya going in on Eduardo. We had the Mavis clarification. Errol really Spence know. on Raleigh. <laughs> uh, Josh Taylor versus Scam Jones. The Bosch father charging. We had uh, Conor Ben and his uh, dubious doctors, courtesy of Ryan Deal. We have uh, Mahmoudov with his Canadian passport. And we had Amir Khan as well getting caught is, out. Is it for Amir Khan or is it for the rat-like hose sending him pictures? Whichever I... one you want, Matthew. You can oh, make okay. the first choice. It's up to you. Hmm. Time to send him those pictures and we'll just see. Yeah. We'll vet them for blackmail we'll beforehand. Him. Yeah, we'll just make sure that he's not going to be blackmailed yeah. with them. 
I have a hard time not voting for rat like hoes because they're usually single moms. And you know, I'm really pulling for single moms, Steve. Are you overthinking it, Matty? This is Belly of the Week, episode 42. Always always been a fan of the single moms in my life, Steve. They've they've been good to me. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I got to go with fucking Tim's fucking ding-dong spiel. That thing was classic. I wish it wasn't ESPN copyrighted because that was classic. And the fact that Ward's the one that doesn't have a job after that after that <laughs> night. It's just, I mean, it's it's icing on the on the cake. Uh, to, to after uh, after watching fucking Jared people. Anderson and Charles Martin, would you even want a job? That's the. F- <laughs> He's out of here with his backpack. That's right, sick. so uh, Tim Bradley and his ding dong for Matty. What about you, Rob? What's, what's about this? By the way, Johnny's telling us not to not to let Porky win it because of the <laughs> league. Johnny's actually saying we've got to actually get involved in corruption and try and fix this. I, I don't know about that. I'm not comfortable about this, by the way. Go on, then let's see, Rob. What are you going for? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's the intro, sir, for fuck's sake. Like Steve um, doesn't have enough going on, you fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can we save Steve from being fucking harassed for one week? Um, <laughs> I would like... To, I'd say it has to be Roy in the metaverse. I can't get it out of my head. The fucking the graphics, the fucking. I think I would have oh, to see the graphics, Rob. I think I would have to see it. I, I could definitely appreciate your vote. But yeah. uh, definitely an honorable mention to all the guys that were in the chat on the Cruise Desert and Savannah Marshall press conference. Everyone, like literally every fucking second comment was. Get this shit off. What the fuck is this? Get this shit off. This is fucking terrible. What the fuck is happening? It was amazing watching it live. It was just all negative feedback. Like, oh, poor boxer, man. They're just having a fucking shocker. It was like, what the fuck is this shit? Get this off. These are terrible. What is this? Nobody cares. Oh, it was fucking amazing. There you are. Uh, got some footage. There's look the man. Look, look at that. Look at it like that. <laughs> Fuck it's yeah, like Knockout fun. Kings or something, isn't it? Like, Knockout Kings, we're A-sport, we're in the game. It's like fucking George Foreman's KO boxer and fucking Super Nintendo, man. The, the ref looks like he's after glitching on GTA, yeah, he's he walking into an ATM or something. So is Kenny Bayless in the metaverse too? I don't know what's going Look on. Look at the ref, man. The fucking ref's standing there look like Eddie the Eagle. Fucking let him come off a fucking jump rump, you know something? So I'm saying, he's just fucking... Looks like he's just going to keep banging his head in the same spot, don't he? Dead, 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 dead. Uh, uh, I'm going you... for that, Rob. Is that what you're going for? I'm going to go for that. Yeah, it has to be. Look at the graphic as well in the corner. Celebrity boxing round one. They're really <laughs> pushing the boat out in the metaverse, aren't they? Fuck me. <laughs> look at this. You've got one guy with a table at the top. Nobody doing it at ringside. There's no judges. There's no, there's no timekeeper. Well, that's what I'm no... saying, Andy. These, these are, it's, it's throwing up a lot of questions about what is the metaverse? Like, where's the Aye. fucking crowd? They couldn't fucking they graphic in the crowd in. noses. <laughs> couldn't get in. It must have been on the zone. <laughs> It's just on the upside. It's like the upside down the metaverse, is it? Like fucking. Is it? Is this where Bitcoin Rodney's residing these days? That's the Bitcoin Rodney reference. I think think there's something dodgy here as well. White bear for This is like Litecoin Rodney. (laughs) It was quite quite a good stoppage from Roy. In fairness, he went to went to the body, got him out of there when he had him hurt. But uh, fuck me, yeah. The, the fucking the most emphatic Roy Jones stoppage since he stopped that interview with Joe Malloy when he was pushed on the cockfighting. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, it's got to be that then. We're uh, in agreement, boys. Roy Jones for the message. Yeah, yeah, I think so, mate. Yeah, I think so. 
we got to bring that back actually someday for Belly of the Week just for Comedy Gold when it arrived. He was pushed on the cockfight and he said, 20 million chickens get killed every day from McDonald's. If you're not worried about it, go do something about that shit. Go buy it. <laughs> something like that. What? The Ice Man. Uh, ice in interviewers. Ice in Belly of the Week. Congratulations, Roy. You are the Belly of the Week for episode 529. And uh, before I hand it back to you, Matty, we had, um, who was it? Joe Burns upgraded his. Um, Pledge over at uh, patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. So shout out to Joe Burns. He will be in the prediction league, which is starting this weekend. And also a quick shout out to our super chatters, Ryan Chisholm, uh, Des Watson, who lives near me now. Shout out to Des. Uh, spend that money my way. Uh, Liam Wynn, who threw some in. And so did John Mulhall. So that's our patrons and our super chatters, Matty. Back to you. Yes, thank you, every one of them. And remember, if you want to get in on the new uh, season of the Prediction League, make sure to join up on Patreon this week. If you are already in the Nerds group, just message myself or Joe Kennedy. And uh, if you are new to Patreon, uh, we'll add you to the Nutters Messenger group. And from there, please announce yourself and uh, we'll try to take care of the rest and get you going. Uh, you will have until probably about, uh, God, I'd say about midnight uh you uh uk saturday to get this knocked out so we'd love to have more of you in there another big congratulations to owen spillan on winning that one he is a, a very intelligent predictor uh it'll be tough to dethrone him yeah he, i think he was pretty close to the top in the first season perhaps if i'm remembering correctly too um but uh it's been a good time uh, i'd like to thank uh steve for coming on uh andy rob uh we will uh, next week uh have it a maybe a more interesting fight than given credit for with nonito donaire uh going in there and trying to win a vacant bantamweight title at the age of 40 against alejandro santiago uh who's uh definitely better than i think people are giving him credit for uh but uh yeah we will uh, discuss that and more coming up next week you folks have a wonderful week ahead i've been matt DiGionardo. we'll see you next time We'll never forget. Yeah, we just got up me. Go to Edinburgh! We want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I've never met a fucking so I can fight me. I, I fell asleep. I, I fell asleep. You're a fucking bum, you're a fucking asshole. Rumpel fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has, 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 failed, has failed a test. Seven year eight. Seven year eight. I will fucking smash. Fuck you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing sounds. Simple as that. Sports Social Podcast Network.